1: Good
0: Thursday morning to you, Kevin Bowen, Jay Quarry, and Mark Dykton on another decent start to this Thursday. Not too chilly yet here in Indianapolis. A lot of basketball action last night, some history down in Bloomington, and the Pacers, they've probably got to be very grateful to be
2: finally sleeping in their own beds. You know what I noticed last night? And by the way, Kevin, you sound like you've got about 30% of your life back. Oh, really? You sound you do sound better than you did yesterday. Are you feeling better? Yeah, I actually feel like
0: ninety five. Have felt ninety five. It's just like the last like five percent seems to be the hardest to like kick.
2: Now, more, Mark, you, the, on the other hand. The more I talk, the more I cough. You <laughs> sound like crap, sir. No, you've, you've been sick for like a month and a half now. Yeah. The only the only higher number of sick days for you have been vacation days.
3: That's true. Right. There's another one coming up. No, no. How I'm was the counting. birthday? It was good. Very good. Great birthday. We uh, did Newfields last night. I took Kevin's advice. I did the spiked hot chocolate, which was outstanding. So we did that. Girls loved it. They just do it right there newfields does just a it fantastic is, job it is a first class
2: deal for yes, sure
3: it is is awesome and then we actually uh, hit up the indianapolis zoo and we did that as well girls you. see that so we did that and i swung back to the office because i was told i had a temperature sensitive package i had to pick up shout out to matthew and maine just unbelievable care package for my birthday look at that lobster all kinds of stuff in there all t- kinds of goodies the dykton household will be eating very good for a very long time. Matthew, thank you very much. Not necessary, but very, very generous of you. Thank you very much. That is very cool. Man, you were all over. I know. Downtown, I'm very tired near West morning. Side. Uh, speaking of all over, basically in
2: basketball last night, it was exactly that, right, Kevin? Because you had, as you mentioned, Indiana Trace Jackson Davis with a triple double. Uh, you had Purdue taking on Hofstra. Um, as we mentioned yesterday from Long Island, is Hofstra. The Boilers, 85 66. Zach Eady continues to be. Uh, Pretty much unmovable force. Video unmovable game object, numbers. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah, 23 and 18. And then the Pacers last night, the problem they ran into late in the game, I don't know if you saw the end of the game, Kevin, but... Very
0: entertaining finish.
2: It was a great game. I mean, it was a good game. Uh, Rudy Gobert is just... You know, when I watch the NBA draft, every year I kind of laugh and roll my eyes at the buzzwords. And one of them is, you know, that guy's really long. And I, yeah, okay, whatever, whatever that means. Rudy Gobert is just long. Buddy Heald drives to the basket late in the game. And Rudy Gobert seemingly, his collapse time because of his wingspan. He's long, right? He blocks Buddy Heald. And that kind of sealed the game for Minnesota. Uh, Timberwolves win. The one thing about the Pacers, Kevin, I, I, I'm i not saying that we don't do the statue, but understandably so. At no, at no knock on him, but is is Benedict Matherin is is it starting to come back down to rookie level a little bit?
0: Certainly struggling with the jump shot right now, um, and just I think in general um, shooting from the field. Uh, if you look at those numbers, especially on this Western Conference trip, it is um, it ha- hasn't been anywhere near the level it was at the start of the year. Yeah, you know, I went on with JMV yesterday afternoon. Obviously, this is before that final Western Conference road trip, and if you would have told me at the start of the trip the Pacers go 2-5, and five, I would have said, okay, not great, not disastrous, but I was disappointed in just how they looked over those seven games. They were down at least 17 points in six of those seven games. They were blown out by the three biggest margins of the season in five of those losses. Um, So I I think that's a little disappointing because, you know, again, putting the record to the side, I think what you're looking for with this team is just can you continue to be competitive on a night-in, night-out basis? Well, over those seven games, they largely were not competitive. So I look at this Western trip and say, okay, 2-5, and not the end of the world by any means. Again, record is kind of playing second fiddle this season. But I was disappointed in just the type of performance they had over the last couple
2: weeks. The thing I would look towards... Coming off of that now, because you're right. I mean, two and five, but some of those games, you know, obviously. I mean, he's got run off the floor in yeah. several of them. And, and, and what I'd like to see here, and I don't know that we can tell this from the outside, but what we'll be curious is if this, with this young group that has played well together for the Pacers and seemingly is having a ball doing it, right? How does that now affect them? What happens with their chemistry? I know that's kind of a an overused term, but, you know, their cohesiveness, their ability to play with one another, the lack of ego seemingly, you know, we've seen, I I mean, we go back to the GQ photo spread, right? We've seen Pacer groups that that played really well, and then all of a sudden something happened and they just kind of crumbled from the inside out, and you wonder what happened, so I'm curious to see how they respond to this. Do they bounce back now? they, You know, listen, they got... And a, and a chance here to, to put things kind of to right the ship a little bit, Kevin, because you get Washington and then you get Brooklyn and the next couple days at home, right? Yeah, back-to-back so,
0: back Friday, Saturday. So they
2: got a chance to, to get things turned around a little bit. Uh, you know,
0: when I was at that Pacers uh, Thanksgiving um, dinner giveaway, if you will, a couple weeks back, that was the night that I think they, they were getting ready to play Minnesota the next night, Brooklyn that Friday, and then go on this Western trip. And that was like, peak, the Pacers are the darling of the NBA. And everyone and their mother were telling them that, that night. And I think Rick Carlisle did a great job of being very public, of saying, all right, I understand we've gotten off to a really nice start, but we've also benefited from the schedule. And, you know, bleep's about to get real from a Western Conference trip. And then if you look at now that they're home, the month of December, even into January, The schedule looks a whole lot different than what it was. And you're just no longer sneaking up on anybody. You know, what you did those first dozen, 20 games, that's no longer going to be the case here um, in the NBA. Obviously, the big news from yesterday happened I wouldn't think too far after we called it quits on the show, but that would be Jeff Brom to Louisville. We'll have Alan Karpik on to get kind of Purdue's side of things coming up here at 8 o'clock. Rick Bozich, who's you're kind of like the Bob Kravitz of the Louisville area, he's going to join us in the nine o'clock hour to talk about Braum and that job down there. Um, I assume you weren't surprised by it, Jake. Not at all.
2: Um, and I realize that our jobs probably are—you know—would be to sit here and and say that it's terrible for Purdue or. How could Jeff Brom do that when he was recruiting for Purdue a week ago? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Look, I would be the biggest hypocrite in the world if I sat here and said that I had any issue with Jeff Brom going home. I I think people know probably the only skill set that I have to even do this job is that it's in Indianapolis and it's my home and I love Indianapolis. So I have an understanding and an appreciation and a respect for somebody that home is home. And I think Jeff Brom has made no bones about the fact that, that that's what Louisville is to him, right? So I totally get it. I, it, You know, what about the timing before a bowl game? I, he's not in charge of the timing. I, you know, he doesn't have anything to do with that. I, For Purdue, the question becomes this, Kevin, and this is just my opinion. But I think they need to go out and get a guy who has experience as a head coach because, you know, Jeff Brom is leaving Purdue in a much better position than the Purdue that he walked into, both from... That's an understatement. Yeah, from a competitive standpoint, but also a facilities standpoint. I've been through their football center. I've been through up there. It's nice. I mean, they've got a nice facility. They've got... um, I, I like Purdue football. I do, you know, and I like the people up there and... So I think that it's a situation that, you know, and I don't know, you know, Mitch Daniels was a president who I believe really understood the business aspect of the benefits of having a competitive football and basketball program of having an athletic department that, you know, he knew that that was a conduit to being able to get money within the university. I have no idea his successor what the what the thoughts are there I, I don't know uh, maybe I should but I'm naive to that but I do think that Purdue is in a situation now where unlike when Brom came it is it could be of appeal to somebody who was already a head coach somewhere someone like and I I had the names in front of me earlier but you know like the head coach at Troy. Maybe that's a little bit of fool's gold because I'd be hesitant to get a young guy who walked into a situation, had a good year. You know, they did that with Daryl Hazel, right? But, you know, somebody like the guy at NC State, I always forget how to pronounce his last name. I believe it's Doring, but, I you know, who who was at Northern Illinois at NC State, has been good at NC State, that's kind of an equivalent of Purdue, or even Campbell at Iowa State. I mean, I think you swing high. I, I do, and I think you, you get somebody who is an established head coach that knows how to run a program. That's what I would do.
0: Yeah, I think, um, first, I'm really curious to see what the candidate list looks like. Of It's such a different job than, like you said, Jake, it was when Daryl Hazel was fired and Jeff Brom took over six years ago. The Big Ten Conference is a whole different animal than what it was six years ago as well. Uh, what does that do for the job? You obviously look at what's happened in the Big Ten West with Matt Rule and Luke Fickle going to Nebraska and Wisconsin. Respectively, I'm curious kind of the trickle-down effect with Purdue. Um, I think it's very important to continue to maintain what we know Purdue as. Pretty darn good quarterback play. Can move and score the ball. Offensively, because if you're going to have any sort of regression as a program, you still want that product to be there. You still want, you know, IU has become a very boring, boring football team. Like, when I was in college, because? they lost a whole lot, but they scored. Right. They don't score. Like, y- you at least have to do that to establish some level of, um, again, it can be a small dose, but some dose of excitement for your fan base. Um You know, a couple of the names I thought, Dave Clawson from Wake Forest would be one. I kind of look at Wake Forest in a way as similar.
2: That's a good comparison.
0: To Purdue out of the ACC, Clawson's had a ton of success. They are a very exciting football team to watch on a weekend, week-out basis. Um, Again, from a resource standpoint, it's not like there's gobs and gobs of resources for Wake Forest football. Would he be looking at this move? And then the other name I'll, I'll throw out there, and I guess, Jake, I'll throw out the resume first. Okay. It's a guy that has Big Ten experience, coached in the Big Ten for two years, okay? Two winning seasons in the Big Ten. Ten and six conference record. So that's pretty respectable. Coached in the NFL for six years. As a head coach? Head coach. Four playoff appearances in those six years. And lately, Alabama offensive coordinator for the last two years.
2: Now hold on, I, I should be able to solve this riddle. Two years in the Big Ten. Two years in the
0: Big Ten, two winning seasons, 10-6 and six conference record, head coach in the NFL, six full seasons at that post, four playoff appearances, two playoff wins, and most recently, the Alabama
2: O.C. Bill O'Brien. Why not Bill O'Brien? Didn't he have... I I don't know why I'm thinking this, so I I can be totally off base. Was there some sort of a, not a scandal, but like a little bit of a a hiccup with him somewhere? Uh,
0: I'm not aware of that. Obviously, at Penn State, he was the one cleaning up the mess. Yeah, it's a good point. If Bill O'Brien's name was John Smith, and he had that resume, wouldn't people gush over that? That's fair. Like, I feel like there's this negative Bill O'Brien stigma. I mean, he's a name I honestly threw on the Colts candidate list. I made a twenty Colts candidate list yesterday and posted to our website. Like you gotta separate, I think, Bill O'Brien, the GM of the Houston Texans, from Bill O'Brien, the head coach. I mean he coached and had a pretty good resume, whether it was at Houston, whether it was at Penn State, and again lately he's been under Nick Saban as their OC. So that's just a name that, that I thought about.
2: I'll tell you one that that was thrown out that I like. <laughs> Um, because I think that he his resume came through Purdue, but I like what he's done. Dino Babers at Syracuse. I, I think he's. You know, I think you have to look at programs that. The one thing I didn't like about Dino was age. I I, I hear you. You know, I think you have to look at at
0: sixty one. I guess that's not too. You have too to look old, at coaches
2: but... that are that have familiarity with that so that's what I like about like when you say Wake Forest or North Carolina State for that matter coaches that know what it's like to be at a school within it's conference that's probably in the middle of the pack in terms of you know it's it's overall brand of football in competing against they know what they're walking into correct that's a good way of saying it Bill O'Brien's a good I mean that's here's the thing though and laugh if you if you if you want. Which is a better job, the head football coach at Purdue or the offensive coordinator at Alabama? When Nick Saban's within the last five years of his career. I
0: yeah, mean, and, and what does Bill O'Brien want? Like I feel like I heard his name with Georgia Tech. That opening, like again, that resume would scream, "Deserved candidate" at some pretty high profile jobs. Yet, I just don't feel like that name has been thrown around there. We'll see about
2: Kevin Sumlin. I think Sumlin feels like kind of the... There was a time where Kevin Sumlin was the rising star in coaching. But it didn't really go well at A&M. It certainly didn't go well at... or did, I, I shouldn't say that. It didn't finish well at A&M. It, it absolutely didn't go well at Arizona. Uh, and maybe he's a good coach in the USFL. I, you know, how do you know that, right? I'm the only person that watched that league. But... Um, but someone to me feels just kind of like the easy, just kind of the easy fallback, right? Purdue guy. I mean, you know, he's been around for a while. Has coached at a big time program. You think Drew Brees has any say in this? I, Drew Brees has been. Do you know how many people have sent me a thing saying, "Hey, could Drew Brees be the next head coach?" Like, oh, I I like Jeff Saturday stuff? Yeah, I, I don't know about that, but yes, I would think that he would be consulted for sure, right? You know, when you look at the candidate
0: list, can you find like I? I am tending to go with a little bit more of the established head coach. Could they look at this opportunity as maybe the final swan swan song?
2: That's and that's the thing, right? Versus you
0: versus the young. You know, you, you you brought up the Troy head coach, or you know, the Mac head coach is always kind of the hot thing for these Big Ten teams. But isn't that just a stepping stone? Don't they just view Purdue as a stepping stone? I don't know. Maybe that's how we have to view this job, but. I think if you're Purdue, ideally, you'd find a coach that would look at this and say, hey, I want to be in the Big Ten. I want to be at Purdue, and I feel like I can be there for eight to ten years. I know that's lofty, but that would be more of my thinking. Like Tyson Helton is a popular name out of Western Kentucky. Very similar resume to how Jeff Brom became the head coach six years ago. But again, is that just you get Purdue to eight or nine wins a couple years in a row, and then boom, you, you, you bolt.
2: I'll tell you the guy that I really like. And, yes, you, excellent point there, Kevin. And and as Todd points out to us, Bill O'Brien, you know, is always linked to like Josh McDaniels used to. You know, is he the heir apparent in New England? I, you know, the, to your point, I think a Bill O'Brien always is going to be linked to other stuff, and you're having to play that game every year, which is kind of what they ran into with Brab every time Louisville there was any inkling Louisville would be looking for a coach. Um, Dave Dorn at North Carolina State. I, I have no reason to – you know, I have no idea how interested he would be. And I don't know why he would be interested in leaving necessarily NC State. But if you're Purdue, do you go look, this guy's won in the last handful of years, he's got three nine win seasons. He's been to Bowls like three years in a row. And he's at North Carolina State, but he has midwestern roots. He grew up in in Kansas. He coached in the Big Ten at Wisconsin. Then as a head coach at Northern Illinois and then went to North Carolina State, and and obviously they're, you know, I mean, is North Carolina State Clemson or Ohio State? No, but they're a solid program, right? They're they're the ACC equivalent of Purdue. I think he'd be solid. It just depends on how much he, I have no idea what he's making at NC State. It's
0: pretty crazy. If Purdue wins this bowl game, that would be back-to-back nine win seasons. Haven't done that since Tiller's first two years. Mitch darn impressive what Jeff Brom did here to close out these six years. And again, he could have bolted two years into it. I'll give him a lot of credit for not doing that.
2: I've always felt that Indiana and Purdue ran into the same problem. And that is, with Bill Mallory and Joe Tiller, respectively, both of those guys were darn good football coaches that established solid, reputable, consistent programs in bloomington and west lafayette but they became victims of their own success because while they went to a couple of years in a row of bigger bowl games or at the very minimum mid-tier bowl games that became the norm expectation so when they when they fell short of that a few times off of maybe a missed recruiting cycle both of those schools thought well we can do better than this and i think in indiana and purdue you've got to be realistic about look Let's just try to contend in the Minnesota-Michigan State bracket instead of thinking that we're supposed to be in the Penn State-Ohio State bracket, Michigan bracket. And both of those schools, Indiana and Purdue, have been chasing basically the consistency of what those two coaches brought to them 20 years ago. In Purdue's case, perhaps they found it with Brahm, Oh, certainly. Now... Yeah. you know, the, can't even sniff it. <laughs> Purdue Purdue has the car in cruise control at a comfortable 62 miles an hour in the left lane, and Indiana is looking for AAA, right? Boy,
0: 62 in the left
2: lane, that's not going to last very long. Well, we're on a 55, not on a 70. Well, uh, still. People, <laughs> people <laughs> pickup truck tailing. It, people are not going to be happy about that. I d- Listen, I don't want to make it sound like they're running recklessly against the law, right? Uh, just the third triple double in IU basketball history last night,
0: that that surprised me
2: for and Trace Jackson Davis. And what is the other there was some stat where I was like, okay, this is incredibly convoluted, but ESPN stat uh, the Luke Walton stat. Yeah. So, so he, Trace here we go. had a
0: triple double. He also had three blocks and three steals. The last player in college basketball to have a triple double with three blocks
2: and three steals, I believe, was Luke Walton. There you go. I think the only other, right? Is it the only other? Yeah. Um, did you know that? No, I mean, you're, you're, you're right—the first to do it since
0: IU basketball historian. Did you did you realize it had only been Steve Downing and Jawan Morgan? I think I
2: recalled that once they mentioned it. Um, That's wild. After Downing, you waited all the way till Morgan. You know, I think it is wild. You you are correct because Indiana's had so many versatile players. The guy that I would have guessed got one would have been out Al- would have been Allen Henderson because he left Indiana in the top. 10 in like six different statistical categories or just one night
0: that your point guard gets rebound hungry and Correct.
2: sneaks in but there in that for... motion the, the problem was the problem is the wrong word but the motion offense was such that usually there was a designated like shooter if you will like scott may or alford or chain you know the, the the motion offense was kind of designed to get the ball in the best operating areas for usually a particular one or two although if you had an open look you took it right so you know, I just think that their, their offense was a little more balanced, perhaps, in the way that they um, moved the ball around, but then imbalanced in terms of who actually was putting up shots. But, yeah, it's a little surprising in Indiana's history, for sure. But Trace Jackson Davis, I mean, look, there's a reason why he and Jalen hood Shafino who I keep calling Jordan hood Shafino, I don't know why, but there's a reason that those guys, um, did you see, just signed Adidas NIL deals? I did not. No. They're like... Somebody the other day was like, look, these are college kids. They're not professionals. And I'm like, no, they are now. I mean, quite frankly. I mean, the NIL deal, and and I have no problem with it. I don't want people to think I do. But originally, you know, the thought was, well, this is great. Kids can get themselves some pizza money. No, they're getting hundreds of thousands of dollars from shoe companies now and everything else. Good for them. Right? Good for them. Don't get me wrong. They need Jalen Chafino back on the floor right now. Totally.
0: Especially for Saturday, because Xavier Johnson, this is... Remember we had bad Lance and good Lance?
2: That's exactly... <laughs> this is bad X right now. <laughs> that is exactly right. That is Seven exactly turnovers
0: right. last night for him. Two of eight from the field. That's not going to fly in Vegas on Saturday. Just the thought of Xavier Johnson in Vegas probably makes me a little, little bit uneasy there. Uh, 7.30 with Arizona. Arizona has followed kind of very similar script to Indiana this year. One loss on the road. Pretty convincingly. North Carolina is now
2: out of the top twenty-five. Like, is is Indiana on Selection Sunday? Is that not going to be in the good wins category? No, I don't think that's going to fall
0: into that. And that's why it's important at Arizona, neutral floor Saturday, and then at Kansas a week from Saturday. It's important to get one of those two just to continue to bolster that resume. Again, the Pacers lose last night one twenty-one, one fifteen. Awful start. Great second quarter. Highly entertaining finish back and forth down the stretch d'angelo russell was outstanding for minnesota in closing that one out they scored the final six uh, to get the win two and five on that western trip um so we'll talk more about that purdue over hofstra thursday night football is baker mayfield really going to start i who else are they going to start and and what do they have to lose I mean, John Wolford has been their backup. I guess he's a little banged up, but that's pretty unprecedented. What What do you make think a waiver claim for a quarterback on a
2: Tuesday, what? and he starts on a Thursday? What do you think if you're John Wolford? Where did John Wolford go to college? And it's not Wofford. Kevin, your guess? John Wolford. For some reason, I want to guess Wake Forest, but maybe that's just Dave Ooh, Clawson on my mind.
0: I is that right? That's correct. He's nice. been the backup. Didn't he start a playoff game? I think so. When Goff got hurt a few years ago,
3: he's been the backup there for a couple years now. I feel like we played the John Wolford college game before. I, Maybe that's why. Are you guys surprised by there's a line tonight? Uh, what is it? I don't even know. Raiders at Rams. I'll six see. and a half for the Raiders. I would have said Raiders
0: three and a half. Yeah, that's probably what I would have thought. Mm-hmm. Now, no Donald, no Cup, and
3: no Stafford. Yeah. So... There you go. Should the Rams even show up? Maybe. Amazon loving this slate of Thursday night games lately. Are my Raiders hot? I think they are, actually. Aren't mm-hmm. they playing decent? I think they're only a couple games out of the playoffs. They're on their way Five to the Super Bowl seven. pick. 3-0, and oh, baby. Or 3-0.
0: Three straight wins. So we'll talk a little bit more about that again. Alan Carpet going to join us at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. Scott Agnes at 8.30. We'll talk with Rick Bozich from Louisville coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Good Thursday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dykton on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan.
4: Brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
2: We'll begin with college basketball. Last night... It was Indiana getting the win over Nebraska 81-65. The Hoosiers now 8 and 1. Trace Jackson Davis as we talked about earlier. 12 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists. Added three blocks and three steals, is that right? Yep. Kevin
0: Here was Trace last night on becoming the third player in IU history with the triple-double.
2: Solidifies why I came back. Um, I came back to do big things, Um, not not only individually, but with the team too. And um, we have high aspirations this year.
5: And so um, just continue to just play my hardest every game and play for my teammates and um, the man above. And that's what I'm going to do. And um, just moments like that make it special to me.
2: He might be playing his way into now like a late first-round pick. He would not have been a year ago. Um, but probably a smart decision to come back and playing well. No question about it. Also in college basketball last night, Purdue, eighty-five, sixty-six over Hofstra. Zach Eady, Hofstra, I should say, Zach Eady with twenty-three points, eighteen boards for the Boilers. No mention of Notre Dame.
0: I, I can, I see how it is.
2: Uh, Notre Dame played last night too, Kevin. <laughs> beat the Terriers
0: of Boston University last night. Well, That's that fighting. sounds like PETA needs to get on there. And then <laughs> The beaten
2: dogs. The fighting Billy Brookses. Good win there for the Irish. Uh, you know, what kind of Terrier is that? Is it a, a Karen Terrier? Is that a, a Pitbull Terrier? Don't
0: believe the mascot made the trip to South Bend, so I didn't get a good look Boston,
2: at it. I guess it'd be a
0: Boston Terrier, right? On camera. Uh, Pacers lose last night, 121-115. Really entertaining game. Miles Turner, it's a big threes late. Um, Buddy Heald had a layup to Potentially force overtime. There still was time left on the clock, uh, but Rudy Gobert um, blocked it. And then Minnesota scored the final six points from there. Tyrese Halliburton, 26 and 14. Turner, 23 and 8. Buddy Heald, 26. They scored 17 in the first quarter. Then they scored 44 in the second. They went from down 23 to up 8 at one point, uh, but they did not attempt a single free throw
2: in the second half. That's pretty rare. That's rare air. is what that is.
3: That's rare air. <laughs> Mark, Mark, where where are you with the Sounders? Mark, come I told on. Told you I'm tired. I got to dig it out. Hold on. Is that <laughs> I mean, your Ursay voice? That was my Ursay voice. Uh, you
2: know, I got to tell you, Mark. No offense, but you are a much slower producer at 37 than you were at 36. <laughs> my age is catching up. <laughs> you ought to call. Have you? Has Kevin gotten you in touch with QC, Connecticut? No. Yeah, please okay. do. My four six three
0: two three five seventy one sixty. Thank you. That's
2: exactly uh, two and
0: five of the Western oh. trip back to back coming up. The Wizards tomorrow night. Don't believe Bradley Beal is playing in that one. And then the uh, Brooklyn Nets on Saturday.
6: That's rare here. There you
2: go. (laughs) Better late than never. Thanks. Uh, NFL tonight. It is the Rams. It is the Raiders getting set. The the quest begins tonight for the Raiders to get Kevin's Super Bowl prediction to come true. I don't remember who I had in the Super Bowl, though, so I can't mock
3: you. Do you recall? I'm sure we have it somewhere. I had Raiders-Cowboys. I had Bills-Bucks. I might have had Chargers,
2: to be honest with you. I, I've had the Chargers for like seven straight years. Who's your
3: NFC representative? The, would it have been Minnesota?
2: No, I don't think you would have gotten out on that I, limb. Do I need to pull up my DraftKings and show you the wager that I have? But you threw like, yeah, 10, to, teams
3: you you wager money like 10 teams. You on half the NFL, yeah. if I
2: remember correctly.
3: <laughs> oh, man, if the
2: Lions
0: get hot, I'm going to hit a payday mm-hmm. like you've never seen. Yeah, you're still holding out hope for Houston to be a December team.
2: <laughs> I'm thinking here.
0: Those
3: Denver Broncos, they're going to be something special.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll have to figure out who it was.
3: We come back here on Kevin and Quarry. Uh,
0: Frank Reich was in Indianapolis last night. We'll play a little bit of audio on that front and continue the Jeff Brom conversation coming up with him. Off to Louisville, where does Purdue turn?
1: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at K-I-S-Q-A-L-I.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
0: We'll chat about that and get your guys' thoughts, 317-239-1070. Kevin and
2: Corey on a Thursday. Much like yesterday, second verse, same as the first in terms of the weather outside. Give yourself a little time for the fog this morning, but fortunately not too brisk outside. Good morning to you on a Thursday. Jake Query along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton, 17 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock. And Kevin, yesterday, I guess also kind of a turn back the clock day, if you will, not literally, because it hasn't been that long since Frank Reich was the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. but. Um, Reich was back in Indianapolis, and really probably the the first time that he's kind of talked uh, since he was re- relieved of his duties as the head coach of the Colts. But for what reason was Reich back in town, and what sort of things did the old coach have to say?
0: Yeah, they had an event for their foundation, not today. We've had Leah Reich, one of Frank's daughters, on before to talk about that. Um, foundation kind of rooted around um, supporting victims of... Sex trafficking and just making people more aware of, sadly, how prevalent that issue is, um, particularly here in the state of Indiana. Um, so Frank was back in Indy, first time, yeah, I guess first time on, on camera, you know, caught up with Mike Chapel immediately after the firing. But um, here's some audio of Frank last night, it's courtesy of Wish TV, Frank Reich on uh, his desire, basically about how everything unfolded and his desire to uh, coach again.
5: First, first couple of weeks was kind of hard, hard you know, just didn't, didn't watch, watch a whole lot, lot. but um, but, um, but kind of kept, kept track of what, of what was, going was going on and, and still pulling hard for the out. guys. I mean, love the guys, love the team love, and, and, and want all the best and best, wish nothing but, but the best. best. Um, but the first, it's, it's been, been, more been more just kind of reconnecting with family and kind of decompressing a little bit, you know, thinking, taking a lot of notes, you know, hey, what have I learned, you know, what have I learned over the past five years four and a half years as a head coach, what, what, the, what were the, the dynamics, what did I like, what did I do, what did I do well? well, what can I do, can I do, do better? Would you, would you like, like to get, to get back, back into coaching, coaching next year, mate? Oh, no, that's no, definitely in my blood. blood. I really I do want to get I you know, mean, I, I really, really want to continue. continue. I, love I love the game. game. I, love I, love being around, being around, I love being around the, the players. players. So, um, you know, I, I don't have any – I'm not not presuming presuming anything at this point. I'm optimistic that I know this. I love the game. I feel like I'm prepared prepared to continue continue to to keep giving giving to the game, giving to to players and and coaches, and we'll see see what that looks looks like.
2: like. Now the question becomes this for you, Kevin Bowen, for any of us. Is his return to coaching, do you believe, as a head coach in the National Football League? Do you think he will get another head coaching opportunity, or do you think... Frank Reich will be seen by folks as an offensive coordinator. One thing I do want to point out about that video before... to And that by the way, courtesy, courtesy to Wish, Wish Television and Anthony Calhoun there, by the way.
0: I couldn't believe, believe how refreshed he looked. He looked like... Uh, my wife's obsessed with those makeover shows, Jake. He looked like someone that had gone away for the makeover, and then they brought him back and just looked like a totally different human. Like, the 100-pound gorilla was off his back. He was just seemed like a much different, much different guy than just the dejected human I felt like, uh, like was having to go zombie up there almost, right? and handle press conference after press conference there when we had to ask him questions that other people in that building were making the answers for.
2: I went to a Jenny Jones episode in 1995 in Chicago that was a makeover show. Really? Uh-huh. Back when they used to have those uh Frank Reich does not strike me as one that would go on one of those shows, to be fair, but
0: that was the vibe I got at watch. Like, he looked like he'd been to Hawaii for a month.
2: He actually probably could have used a makeover, because like, he, his attire was a little like Buffalo late 80s, I thought. Although he has a cool watch. And, and listen, I don't think anybody disputes that Frank Reich is a really good guy. Um, <laughs> he sounded... Top he, five human I've come across. He sounded better there, right? I mean, he sounded like honestly refreshed i mean you know you could like you went to a day spa
3: like he needed a a spa yeah oh yeah
2: well that's always fun isn't it you know there was a day spa up on the north side of indy that uh, i had bought gift certificates for gifts for and then they just closed one day out of nowhere Mm -hmm. it was like just gone and like like mom and pop they just disappeared uh just up and vanished and they took the gift cards with them and how many people do you think are out gift cards I don't want to say the name of the place because they might still be around. I don't want to get sued. Well, <laughs> well they're say, popular, Are you, you going to sue? I, I don't know how to sue them. People listening right now, if they're from the north side of Indianapolis and they've ever been in the Clearwater area, know exactly the day spa that I'm talking about that just up and disappeared one day. And it's like, well, they just took everybody's stocking stuffers. What the hell happened?
3: What do you mean you don't the, want to talk bad about them? If they're gone, they're gone. Well, I mean, that's true. But I, you know, I don't know. Like the owner, I you got to be careful. Well, he might thing. be rolling in all the gift cards. <laughs>
0: it's a good question, though, on Frank. And is he going to be a head coach next year? I mean, right now you got Carolina as the other opening. What else is going to open? In terms Arizona? Of what, yeah, I mean... Arizona would probably be the most popular one. I mean, hasn't Mark Davis kind of stood behind? Yeah. Josh McDaniels, no matter what happens here down
3: the stretch. Denver? I guess Denver? Denver's been wildly rumored, right? Yeah. Well, Nathaniel Hackett's just had a hell of a rookie. You, you
2: also have but to... I, I guess... I, I don't see a ton. I mean... You have to always account for just a complete surprise, right? Of Like a guy just did not want to do it anymore, or for whatever... You know, there's a million things in that regard. Like, that I don't, don't see Pete Carroll retiring. Right. He, I feel like he feels pretty rejuvenated by it. Yeah, you I think don't, he would have done that last year, right? Like think Sean
0: McVay's
3: here. going anywhere. Matt Eberflus is not getting fired after one year. Texans won't... Let go of Lovey Smith, you don't think. Is that one that could go? Would the Texans want to go for isn't Lovey Smith the defensive Frank Reich? Pretty much. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like Jay is our quarterback. So say with the Bears.
0: That's I guess, you know, I and I'm sure there's an element of like early December every year. There's probably like a wait, what openings are gonna be out there? And then you get to mid January and there's like there's seven openings. Green Bay?
3: Oh, I don't think they'd fire Matt Lafleur, would they? Ah, no, I, I think Lafleur's.
2: Yeah, safe. I, I don't. If they, so, but I'm thinking about franchises that here here would be the, the thing that would intrigue or wet the whistle of a franchise. Frank Reich might not have been the best head coach in Indianapolis. I don't think he was a disaster, but but nonetheless if you were going to if this was high school debate class and we had to debate whether or not Frank Reich was a legit head coach for the Indianapolis Colts and i was assigned to speak on behalf of him the argument that i would make would be that he was a quarterback whisperer who every quarterback that he was given had on had already had in earbuds because or actually had hearing aids because they were so old you know is there intrigue for a franchise? Let's just say, I'm going to use Green Bay for for lack of a better example. How about the Chargers? Brandon Staley, that could be yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, that's so a place. The Chargers would be a good example as well, Mark, of what I'm talking about. And the fact, Kevin, of a place that has a young quarterback that they feel like just needs that final guiding hand to get them to high levels. Is that what Frank Reich is seen as? And is that the, the strength on his... His LinkedIn account, which, again, is just tender for business people. Um, but is that what is going to get him another job? Yeah, I just
0: feel like the retread head coach trend is not as popular as maybe it once was.
2: I don't disagree with that. I think I the mean, new
0: trend is find the young offensive mind. And Kevin O'Connell, of course, great success with Minnesota right now. Brian Dable, great success with the Giants right now. So I, I continue to expect that would be the sort of cycle that teams would go down. Um, i probably view Reich more in the offensive coordinator role. And you know, Carolina, they're going to have an early pick, and they might draft a QB. Uh, We had Mike DeCourci on a few weeks ago. You know, would the Steelers want Frank Reich in there to coordinate Kenny Pickett? Uh, What happens if Ken Dorsey gets a head coaching job? Frank Reich is the OC for Josh Allen. Be a pretty good gig, considering his Buffalo ties
2: about Frank Reich to Purdue? Somebody just asked me that. Frank Reich to Purdue is intriguing, isn't it? It's kind of a Jeff Braum move, right? A quarterback coach, a guy that that can open things up offensively a little bit.
0: Can't see Frank Reich being a big NIL guy.
2: Well, you got to be these days, right? By the way, Ms. Ladon. Jake, I was completely broken up about the sudden closing of, insert name, of the day spa that closed and took everybody's money no warning or anything if that's what you're referring to yes Ms. ladon that is exactly correct i love that she's listening to this show by the way um who is that uh Ms. ladon she's the best she's been a loyal listener for a long time and they just i mean i'm telling you what they, they were like listen i'm glad that you bought like the 150 dollars gift certificate for a massage but <laughs> Mom and pop just up and vanished. I just think... What What is going on?
0: I think O.C. more than head coach.
2: Yeah, I I would tend to agree. And don't... But are we being... Are we looking at too hypercritically because we're in Indianapolis? In other words, has he seen...
0: Yeah, but again, I just don't see like the retread head coaching hires happening as much as they maybe once were.
2: There's no doubt that the NFL is a cyclical business, and the latest cycle or trend was everybody wanted to get like the Sean McVay type right. guy, right? The young, good-looking, energetic, new. Yeah, I mean, I get it. And you know, Frank Reich to me kind of looks like he'd be like when I look at Frank Reich, he looks like the guy that is standing beside an, a Ford F one fifty in one of my nineteen eighty six Sports Illustrated commercial like ads. You know what I mean? And like it doesn't, he doesn't, ha- you know, in the NFL lately, like that McVeigh, like it's more like guys that look like they're popping out of a, an ad in Maxim. GQ. Maxim's GQ. still around. Are any of them still around? I
0: don't know. Oh, we'll get Purdue's side of their head coach opening. Kind of odd that Brian Brom is the interim head coach. You know, you don't see that very often. The older brother goes and takes the job oh, in Louisville, is and the younger brother stays around to be the interim through the bowl game and,
2: until he then leaves, right, to go to Louisville.
0: Yeah, with him. That's. I, I would assume that would be the case. So, we'll get more on Purdue's side of it with Alan Carpick coming up next here, Kevin and Corey. So, as I was talking about this,
1: life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at K-I-S-Q-A-L-I and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
2: Day spa, just like, it was like last year, right before Christmas, and they just up and closed and everybody's like, well, wait a minute, we've got all these Christmas gifts and whatever else. And it was like, well, sorry sorry folks spas closed moose up front should have told you and everybody's just standing around going what in the world now that isn't necessarily what happened with purdue with jeff Brom because i think you know everybody kind of knew that if louisville was ever going to open up the jeff Brom, especially this time around um you know had indicated that it, the timing was probably going to be right alan karpik joins us now on the Payless liquors hotline to talk about exactly that, he is with On3.com. Of course, Golden Black, where, where you have known Alan, that now part of the On3 network. And Alan, that's a fair statement. Would you agree in the fact that, look, I I know that Purdue fans are disappointed to lose Jeff Braun because he did good things at Purdue, but at the same time, I think everybody in the back of their mind kind of knew and understood that home was home, Right.
7: Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, I think, it, it, you know, it's not, uh, it's not a loser's mentality to, to accept reality, I suppose, in that situation. And, and yes, I mean, there was no, no surprise or little surprise at all. I think the, the big surprise and the thing that we may now find out down the road is, you know, I don't think this was orchestrated months and months in advance because I think the Satterfield defection or, uh, to, to Cincinnati was a surprise, um, enough so that, that, you know, it wasn't like three weeks ago this was planned. Now, again, if the job had been open or if Satterfield had been fired, it's the former Louisville coach who's now at Cincinnati, um, you know, in the middle of the year, different deal. But so that's the only that's the only intrigue is that I think that it did come up Uh, From what we can gather, uh, because I think that center field of Cincinnati was a little bit of a surprise.
0: Alan, do you know if Purdue tried to, in a financial way, pitch Jeff Brom to stay? Obviously, they extended him back in April, and he's pretty well compensated. But any final pitches that included any sort of bumps or promises, anything like that?
7: I, not to our knowledge, and I, but I, I do have a little bit of knowledge, inside knowledge there that I don't think that there was a a major move there because what do you do in this situation? I mean, this is a guy that has uh, been pretty clear about his intentions all along. Uh, even what he said last summer on the on the on the stump, so to speak, down in Louisville, kind of made it clear. So, no, I, I I don't think I think you get you get him in the room and say, uh, is there anything we can do here? And That's one question, and, and then you move on because uh, there wasn't anything Purdue was going to be able to do in this situation for, from everything we can gather.
0: Ken, Alan Karpik is with us on 3.com. If you are Mike Bobinski, the athletic director at Purdue, what do you think the profile looks like for your next head coach?
7: I gotta believe it's an offensive guy, or at least somebody has got access to you know Purdue football has got a does have a brand of it. Certainly, Jeff Brom built that back up uh, by being a, a little bit of a no-holes-barred uh, fun football to watch. You know, if you go back, Purdue has yet, and it's go. You have to go back to the 1930s since Purdue has had back-to-back winning coaches. I mean, that's how long it's been. Wow! And uh, but 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 that has been. A situation where you go back, also to even to Jim Young in the seventies, Joe Tiller, Jeff Brom. The common thread is a little, you know. Yes, each of those teams had school had defenses that were decent from time to time, but it was an offense. It was a big part of things. So, I I think that's pretty uh, mo. I think Mike Babinski gets that. I think that the the fact that Jeff Brom brought so many fans back to the stands, why? Because it was fun to watch. And uh they were interesting. And yes, you had Rondale Moore and David Bell and George Karlovis. I understand that, but uh I think fun football and put people in the stands and being competitive uh are gonna be the things that you that you wanna have from a coach. And I don't believe that that necessarily means a big name guy. I I you know, who knows how this is gonna play out. It's really it's really intriguing from that standpoint.
2: A Couple of questions that I have, Alan, about the direction, but l- let me begin with this. Is it possible that we're all going to sit here and overthink this and look, you know, and scan this wide net on who Purdue's next coach is going to be? And in reality, they just go, "Hey, we're just going to go from one Brom to the next," and they just retain Brian Brom in the position where he's going to be as the interim. Or is it pretty much a foregone conclusion that after the bowl game, he will go with his brother?
7: Well, I don't know about the latter uh, in terms for sure. I mean, we understand that Brian has looked at other opportunities. I know he was in, in the running for Kentucky. Um, so you got to remember, he's 15 years younger than Jeff, and, and while they've certainly had a working relationship over the years, I, I think it's fair to characterize him as a little bit different. There was some some surprise that he was named the, the uh, that he didn't go to Louisville right away, but that's, I think, because Brian's kind of his own dude. And uh, I, I would be very surprised that they would, that they would turn it over to Brian at, 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 for the head coaching job. Uh, and I was a little bit surprised with the interim, but I also think it makes sense because what guy do you want to have play in the bowl game? Uh, number 16, Aiden O'Connell, and uh, I'm and and I, and i not saying Aiden's a very loyal guy, and I don't know for sure what his intent, but you've got to have an offense to run. And it's a real challenge, I mean, to be honest, about uh, putting a coaching staff together. Uh, this is, you know, a, for Purdue, this is a big bowl game. I mean, uh, at least a, a high-end bowl. Purdue hasn't been to that level of bowl uh, since... Uh, you know, since the Citrus Bowl back in 2004. So uh, I, I, I think that it did surprise me a little bit, but I don't expect them to, to turn, the, turn the reins over to Brian on a full-time basis.
2: Alan, the reality is that the Purdue head football coach is a big vacancy and a big position to shift from one man to the next. Um, and in addition to that, Purdue is about to do exactly that in terms of On the new year, so just three weeks from now, they will transition from Mitch Daniels as the university president to Dr. Meng, I hope I'm saying this correctly, Dr. Meng Shang, am I saying the name correctly? Yeah,
7: that's right, Meng Shang, yep.
2: Um, Do we know, you know, Mitch Daniels, I think, understood the business aspect of athletics and having athletics be a conduit in terms of fundraising for the university, for the branding and marketing of the university. Do we know yet? the new administration where they fall in terms of their aggression or their you know same s- school of thought in terms of athletics
7: well that's a good question but i think it's pretty clear and we're and the only place you need a place you need to look is the board of trustees um, and and their role uh, you know mung has not talked a lot about athletics necessarily though i think he's i think from everything i understand uh he's Kind of in the Mitch Daniels vein. You got to remember too, and Mitch Daniels came to Purdue very fiscally conservative. He still is, but he was—he was not all bullish on athletics. Either, but you look at you look at uh, from the from the big time spending version of athletics, I should say, and I think that changed to some extent, uh, to a great extent. And why did that change? Because guys like Mike burgoff Indianapolis guy, uh, the chair of the board of trustees, the athletic department liaison for years, really uh, had a lot to do with saying we're not gonna, we're not we're not going to play second fiddle anymore in football, and that came to the fore in, in my view in 2016, in December of 2016 when they hired Jeff Brom and paid good money to get to a program that was an absolute dumpster fire uh, in terms of attendance. So uh, the point is, is I think the board is clearly behind keeping this. Uh, they understand the need to keep fans in the stands. They And I think, there's limitations at Purdue. I, I don't see a Mel Tucker-type situation a, at all. But I do see you know, that uh, Jeff Brom, at the end of his contract, had he stayed at Purdue, it would have been over $6 million. I, I could see that number being if they had the right guy and somebody that they felt that they really had to get. And I just think the Board of Trustees is very aligned with Mike Lubensky. And I expect that Meng Chang, uh, once his tenure begins on January 1st, uh, will be in the same boat.
0: Getting the search underway for the next head football coach for the Purdue Boilermakers, Alan Karpik, from on3.com, is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Alan, a couple of names that I've been thinking about. Uh, one would be Dave Clawson from Wake Forest. I, I kind of look at Wake Forest as somewhat comparable to Purdue in their standing within their own conference, an offense that scores a lot of points. He's had great success there. And then I think Bill O'Brien has got just an... A, a, a great resume I, I know in this market people probably view him negatively f- for some reason with how like the houston texans kind of unfolded even though they went to the playoffs four times in his six full seasons there um your thoughts on those two names and maybe some others to keep an eye on
7: well i, I think dave Cla- everybody would like uh, dave claus and he's a guy that uh, you know and has has proven that he can win in a place that's Somewhat similar to Purdue in the marketplace. Um, uh, You know, from what I understand, and we have some couple contacts that know him well, um, he's a guy that's very comfortable down there, likes likes the Wake Forest atmosphere. Uh, But, you know, again, if, if you can double it, if you could pay him enough. Maybe so, and certainly he has got a very, very well-respected situation. Bill O'Brien's interesting. Purdue obviously has a new, new, new uh, deputy AD that worked under Nick Saban, uh, and and is Tiffany Grimes, who's head of does uh, direct contact with football, even when Jeff Brohm was the head coach. Uh, She's just been here for a year, so there's going to be a contact there, uh, without question. Whether he's a good mix, uh, match, uh, certainly his, his background would get your attention, certainly because he'd been at Penn State, had had success there, had some level of success with, certainly with the Houston Texans. So uh, I think he's interesting. I, I, I would put him a little on the outside just because I just don't know if this is the move that he'd want to make. Uh, but I do think those are two very interesting candidates and uh, it's just it's just going to be a little bit of a crapshoot to, to try to determine uh, exactly which uh, which way they're going. I do know one thing, guys. They're not calling us to tell us uh, what moves they're making from day to day. And, and searches have become so, uh, you know, that's secretive. They just become good at it. And there's ways to be able to keep it keep it quiet. But uh, trust me, we're working hard to figure that out.
0: Any names on your mind? I know Jamarcus Shepard, former Purdue assistant, DePaul product, has kind of been a popular one within the program lately. Uh, Anybody else that you're keeping an eye on?
7: Well, I think Tyson Helton is an interesting guy from Western Kentucky um, just because uh, it's it's interesting because it parallels it to to Jeff Brom coming from Western Kentucky. Uh, He's obviously done pretty well down there. He's got kind of that same offensive approach to things. I, I think that makes him very, very interesting. As you mentioned, Dave Claus, another one that was in the mix last time, but I'm just not sure he's a match, but I don't know. Troy Calhoun at Air Force I uh, obviously runs the option there. Ooh, but you know, I love
0: the triple it. option.
7: He is a guy that could create, uh, you know, is he flexible? You know, I, I go back, Purdue fans go back to a guy named Jim Young, who was a Hall of Fame-level coach at Purdue, uh, was a passing guy to some extent with Mark Herman, the quarterback late 70s, early 80s, goes to Army and runs a triple option and has a tremendous amount of success. My point is, in a guy like Troy Calhoun, is he adaptable to, To, to I think Purdue needs to throw the football, but or at least be unique. Yeah, and the triple option would be unique. I don't see that as Purdue's brand, but that that would be an, – he's an interesting guy, obviously very, very well respected, and has done it done a good job uh, at Air Force and has made them very competitive in a situation that uh, uh, is always challenging there. But, you know, it's funny. I always look at our, our hot board, which we have on the site right now, and I say, do you bet – do you take the field, or do you take our somebody? Is somebody on our hot board going to get the job? Uh, we hope so. Uh, from our and we've been lucky over the years to be pretty good at this, but uh, I don't know. This is a challenging one because it's just really hard to know uh, what the uh, what the landscape is like and exactly where Mike Babinski, Mike Berghoff, and company will land uh, when they when they. But I do know one thing. Uh, I think time is of the essence uh, that's stating the obvious just because of the, it's different than it even was in 2016 20, 20, uh, when Jeff Brom came and they hired him on the 5th of December, but they started a week earlier, but you know, the transfer portal, all those types of issues really make it uh, important uh, to be able to get somebody secure pretty quickly. And of course, the uh, national signing day uh, in, in uh, about 10 days from now. So all those things make time uh, important, but, it's a huge hire, and you want to do it right.
2: I was going to say, do you, if you had to guess, what's your time frame? Like, when do you think? God, when, that's a lot of
0: things that you got to think about with the time frame. Uh, I know.
2: I mean, I if yeah, it's so I, interesting. I'd say, Alan, I'd you, say
7: five. I'd, I'd say if, if all things are. This is a somewhat silly, flippant answer, but 5 o'clock today. I mean, it's not going to be 5 o'clock today. I get that. But I do think that the portal and all that stuff and all the action that's going on, not just potential players leaving Purdue, which Purdue's had a handful already, uh, even before Brom made his announcement, but uh, uh, just the, the, the access. I mean, it's the new recruiting, and you need to have your brand in place and kind of have a direction. But I think if you're Mike Babinski, you can't miss on this hire. I mean, it's, it's you got to get the best person. So if that means waiting, you know, do you wait for? a... And I'm just throwing that name out there, and I don't even know the context to be honest. So Willie Fritz from Tulane uh, is going to coach in his bowl game in all likelihood. Uh, one would think, unless you unless you pay him enough to not do that. And I'm not even, you know, Willie Fritz is on our board. Don't get me wrong. I don't have anything to make me believe that he's a top candidate. But my point is. You know, you have to figure that out, and and if you wait around, uh, are you willing to wait for a period of time to get the right guy? Uh, I guess it really depends when you're sitting across the table uh, talking to somebody about trying to figure out the time. But I think it's you try to do this sooner than sooner than later if you're Purdue, just because of the, all the state of flux that the, your roster is going to be in over the next uh, few weeks, and everybody's roster is going to be in college football.
2: Alan Karpik is our guest. He's on the Payless stickers Hotline, Alan. I've seen a lot of people, and I i don't blame them. I wanted kind of your reaction to it. I, I Like we said, I don't think that people have an issue with, I think deep down, everybody understands why Jeff Brom would go home. Home is home. I totally get and respect that. Did he mishandle it in terms of acting like business as usual between the time that this clearly was on? The front burner, and when he accepted the job, and by that I mean talking to recruits and players and that kind of thing.
7: That on time will tell on that. I, I you know, I, I think guys do, you know, because he was in he was in recruiting homes on Monday night, wearing a Purdue, you know, wearing Purdue garb, uh, talking to guys in Indianapolis, etc. Uh, I don't know that that's, uh, you know, he was still at Purdue, and I, I guess you can look at it that way. That will be an interesting thing to. Determine over over the long period of time is uh, how that will play out. I think Jeff Rom is generally known as a guy that's pretty up and up guy. And uh, even though uh, you know, if if half the recruiting class goes to Louisville, maybe people are going to feel a little bit different. I I get that, but uh, but yeah, you know, so that's that's an interesting thought. The fact that he was, uh, like I said, in in houses on on Monday night is, is is an interesting proposition, but. I think that'll probably, and this is my own opinion, that it will have its way of working its way out, that it'll probably be okay.
2: We talked about, you know, obviously Brian Braum, people that are perhaps in-house for Purdue, how it affects them. in addition to that, let's let's real quickly, Alan, kind of in conclusion, talk about others that are on staff and what this might mean for them, as to you know who would be retained, who would be on their way out. Mark Hagan, for example, and does Purdue look strictly inside the family in the beginning, uh, in terms of guys that have gone elsewhere but have Purdue ties? Uh,
7: I think they look any. I think the Purdue tie thing for Mike McVinsky, if you're talking about the head coaching job, uh, is 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 a very minor situation. But Mark Hagan is a very interesting situation because uh he was out recruiting for Purdue last night as we understand it and wearing Purdue garb. I know that Jeff Brom wants answers I from what we understand it at Louisville sooner than later. Mark has been a Purdue guy an Indiana, graduate. But been a Purdue coach for a long time. That one is really interesting to see how where he goes. And I don't, to our knowledge, at least as of this morning, we don't know for that uh, any full decision has been made. Uh, but, you know, again, we know that Brian Brown is going to be the the interim coach, but uh, Mark Hagan is probably the only one on the staff that I have some real intrigue about the possibility of him staying around. But I don't think that Mike Babinski and company can guarantee a guy because they don't know what they're who they're – and guarantee him a place on next the next staff because, obviously, you got a head coach coming in that's going to have to have some flexibility on his staff uh, when he comes to Purdue.
0: Alan, last one from me, uh, concern over – some Southern Indiana guys. Brady Allen, young quarterback, thought to be the future. Devin Mockaby, of course, breakout guy this season. You know, two guys from kind of the southeast or southwest corner of the state. And could they be going to Louisville Jeff Brom?
7: Good question, um, certainly, uh, you know, in terms of both of those guys. Uh, and and uh, that will be an interesting storyline. We don't have anything to tell us differently uh, at this point. Uh, Devin Mockaby, obviously you know Jeff Robb didn't give him a scholarship but did give him a chance and I'm sure that there's there's some close tie there but Anybody's guess on that one. I, I really don't. I really don't even want to hazard a guess. I think it's going to be a storyline, certainly, of those two guys because they're both guys that uh, that are figuring prominently. Certainly, we already know about Mockaby, uh, but certainly Brady Allen's a, a guy that uh, that they liked. And I'm say, not saying he was the guaranteed starter next year, but he certainly was going to be in the mix uh, for, for the 2023 season.
0: Going to be already a wild 24-48 hours for you guys over there on On3.com, and certainly going to be that coming up here the rest of the week leading into the bowl game, January 2nd, Citrus Bowl for Purdue with LSU. Alan, great stuff with us. Thank you. Hey. Alan Karpik right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Six years, $35 million. Is that what I saw for Brom? That is. Those are the numbers I saw, yes. He was right around... He was just over five. That's pretty similar to what he was making at Purdue, right?
2: Yeah. Well, he gets to live. I mean, cost of living in Louisville is less. He can live in his parents' basement, right? Sure. Home is home. I'm assuming his parents still live in Louisville. I don't know that they're... A lot of Brahms on staff. Correct.
0: A lot of Brahms on staff. So, for Purdue's sake, I hope he does not pluck the Brady Allens and the Devin Maccabees of the world, but I was... Not born yesterday, Jake. I get how college athletics work when these coaches make those
3: changes. I was.
2: <laughs> 37 wow.
0: years ago yesterday, yeah. right?
2: Well played, Mark. Yeah. Glad to see you're still awake, Mark.
3: I'm here. Okay.
2: Uh, people were asking
0: about Jim Leonard, Jake, the Wisconsin interim defensive coordinator. Is that too defensive-minded?
2: That That's the thing that's interesting is do you go from one side to the other, you know what I mean? It does feel kind of like... I'm, of course you know Tony Dungy jumps out but it doesn't it feel like typically when you go with a defensive based coach like i don't know how how to say what i'm trying to say here for Purdue in particular it feels like that is a school that the coaches that have most succeeded have been guys that are offensive innovators Joe Tiller, Jeff Rom. I mean I realize Fred Akers was that was not the case. Jim Coletto was an offensive coordinator that, that did not go well. So maybe maybe it's 50 But I, I just think that when you are a program that at the very least is known for just kind of being wide open and exciting, you need to maintain yeah. that because people I would agree. You know what I mean? There's just an expectation. that.
0: If you're going to hover around seven wins, be entertaining within those seven wins versus, oh, yeah, well, you know, we win a lot of games 13-10. to Yeah. Again, it's a little bit like be careful what you wish for, but that would be the side of the ball that I'd be going with. Um, All right, Scott Agnes is going to join us in a few. We'll get Louisville's side of this coming up a little bit later in the 9 o'clock hour. Rick Bozich will uh, explain to us just the affinity that that city has for Jeff Brom and his family and Brom coming home. Uh, but let's do a morning check down here on Kevin Corey.
4: The morning check down, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and
2: 107.5 The Fan. We will begin, by the way, with breaking news in the world of sports. Uh, Brittany Griner has been freed from a Russian prison and is... According to the White House, on her way back to the United States, this happening within the last hour, apparently, it was a one-for-one prisoner swap as the United States will release Russian arms dealer Victor Bout in the exchange. Um, Greiner has been imprisoned in Russia since February 17th on drug charges when she had, I believe it was a hashish oil in her luggage in Russia. So, Brittany Man, under the what WNDA a moment for star. her wife, her family. On the way back. Um... So that happening within the last hour or so.
0: Uh, last night down at Bloomington, Trace Jackson Davis uh, setting a historical mark with a triple-double. Well, it was kind of a small one, right? Like 12-11-10. He didn't have huge, huge scoring numbers That's there. exactly
2: right. 12 points, 11 boards, 10 assists.
0: But he had three blocks and three steals to go with it. The third player in Indiana University basketball history to record a triple-double. Steve Downing, Juwan Morgan, the two others. You know, played great last night. Trey Galloway uh, without Jalen hood Shafino. And Tamar Bates, Galloway at 20, Bates had 19. Those two guys are really important, especially with Xavier Johnson struggling right now. Um, so both of them, important last night. And really, Indiana was in full control throughout. type of response they needed after losing at Rutgers.
2: Thanks, Mark. Um, <laughs> this was a half quiz. Elsewhere, elsewhere in college basketball, Purdue 85-66 over Hofstra. Zach Eady, 23 points and 18 boards for the Boilermakers, who remain unblemished. Like the shack
0: video game numbers, I feel like he puts up night That's in and night unbelievable, out. unbelievable, yeah. Are you going to overlook the Notre Dame win
2: again? I forgot. Uh, Notre Dame beat Boston U. <laughs> this, there you what, go. Are, what is this, Asteroids? <laughs> It feels like it sometimes. Yeah, that's right.
0: Last night in Minneapolis, really entertaining game. Pacers got off to an awful start. Great second quarter. They actually took an eight-point lead, clawed all the way back from down over 20 in the first half. Uh, but then we're not able to make the plays late. D'Angelo Russell had 15 in the fourth quarter for Minnesota. It was a 2-5 and five road trip now for Indiana. Here was Rick Carlisle last night on the continued
5: poor starts one reason is we've been so bad to start games and we're bad again tonight we just we gotta keep looking at it and you know it starts with our defense to start games so i know we can i know we can do better we've had some good starts but it's just something we're gonna have to we're gonna have to keep talking about we're gonna have to keep studying we're gonna have to keep looking at it. if we gotta do things with a lineup we will when you get down you set yourself up for comebacks. It's not a good way of doing business in this
2: league. He sounded like he was crying at the end there.
3: Well, if you haven't slept in your bed in 13 days, you might be crying <laughs> too. Was, was Carlisle crying there? They went to Paisley Park before they left. you heard when doves cry or something. It's Paisley Park, great. I hear, is pretty neat. It's awesome. It's very good. you cool. been there? Yeah. Were you there before or after, after. you After. It was the week he died. We the- had already planned the trip and... Did they take your phones when you got on the elevator? No, we left, and then we heard later that family members were handing out memorabilia to just fans that were hanging out. Are you serious? Yeah. Did you go on the elevator? No, we didn't go inside. Oh. Well, they can do a
2: tour, you know. Yeah, no. I believe. Well, I
3: don't know if you could do a tour right after that. I think they <laughs> you, probably know, stopped you know how much tours. tickets are? No, I don't know. Nineteen ninety nine. Oh boy. In my opinion, that sucks. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> I that was solid. Appreciate excellent.
0: that. Uh Thursday night football tonight, Raiders and Rams. Uh in LA, right? I
2: Is believe- it in Los Angeles?
3: Believe I so. Believe so. Okay.
0: Baker Mayfield, sounds like he might give it a go tonight. Boy, that's how gonna, be, about well, that's that. gonna be wild if that happens. I mean so the dude's never practiced, right? Yeah, how much of the playbook could he know, right? Flight out there Tuesday night, play less than 48 hours later. It's pretty unprecedented. Someone was asking me earlier, didn't Jacoby Brissett do that with the Colts? Brissett was here for like 10 days before he started that first game in 2017. Still, that's, I mean... Yeah, which is still crazy, but...
2: I mean, mean, Baker's in his third offense in 10 months. It reminds me of... I've told you guys before when Jeff George told me when Randy Moss was a rookie and he came in and Moss was having a hard time in the beginning you know, I mean understandably so. Any rookie does getting to know the playbook and Jeff said they were Minnesota and they'd be in the huddle and George would call a play and Moss would just look at him and Jeff George would be like, Look man, just just run out like thirty yards and hook a right. I'll <laughs> just throw it up. <laughs> you can do that with Randy Moss, right? Ma-
0: Moss on the Manicas Monday night. He was he was pretty good.
2: I don't know if Baker Mayfield could do that, but
0: Well, and he doesn't have Coop- to there, there any... Cooper Cup or Aaron Donald with Is him.
2: there anybody who's had like a greater like Transformation of image and acceptance from like the peak of their playing career to their post career than Randy Moss, like he was like seen. You remember like the whole you know, straight cash homie, you know, and all that. He was seen as kind of like this bad boy renegade, and like now people are like, man, this guy's a good dude, right? And just a freak player.
0: Oh, absolute freak, unbelievable athlete. So yeah, Raiders Rams tonight. That is your Thursday night football. All right, I'll. Uh, Pacers coming up. Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse Files. The longest road trips in Pacers franchise history is complete. Knee, uh, the only thing
2: longer is Rudy Gobert.
0: Well, that's a big block he had on Buddy Heald late. Yeah, I think he felt like he had that step on him and if he had to do it over again, maybe try and get over to that right hand. So Gobert would have to kind of alter his body and not be able to Have more of a straight line on the block. But really entertaining game. Back and forth. Tied at 115 late. And then Minnesota scored the final six. They've got so many guys. I mean, without Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards is 26. D'Angelo Russell with 15 in the fourth quarter. Uh, They made the plays late. uh, But Pacers got off to a poor start per usual. Great second quarter. Got them back in the game. Actually took an eight-point lead. But could not make the plays in the final quarter. Talk more about that. And where the Pacers are now 25 games into the season at 13 and 12. Scott Agnes of Fieldhouse Files joins us. Scott, I guess let's just start kind of a big picture of the Western trip. Good and bad. What did you like? What did you not like?
8: Yeah, I said going into the trip that if you could get two, three wins, you know, I think that would be a success. So I, I think despite the seven games and. And all they had to deal with, and just such a jam-packed schedule—something you just don't see very often—I um, think coming away with a couple of wins could be considered a victory in this short-term window. Um, I like the fact that they were able to get, um, you know, a little bit of health towards the end of the trip. I think that was important because it was kind of concerning the last couple of games where you're you're throwing lineups out there that felt more kind of like a January dog days. Group where you're waiting for a whole bunch of players to get healthy, but man, I think that's just the overwhelming feeling you got to go back to is what Andrew Nemhard did in those couple of games. In the meantime, being the the lone point guard out there, and I think you in the, the, that small snapshot, we learned a little bit more about this team. One, how outside of Nemhard in that other, you know, the two guys being away. They lack that true point guard, but also more so the level at which he's playing with already as a 22 year old rookie.
2: Okay, Scott, I'm not going to say slump, but I'll use your term there small snapshot. The small snap that Benedict Matherin appears to be in, um, Mm -hmm. you know, just there was such a high level that he was playing in the beginning. Do you chalk it up as A, teams are starting to figure out how to guard him and there's now film on him, or B, with a rookie, oftentimes just from a physical standpoint, the exertion that's necessary in the NBA starts to bring you down to earth a little bit.
8: Yeah, I think I'll take a little bit more of the latter, especially when you're jamming so many games into a short time. Like college, right? You're playing 32 games maybe in four or five months, and he just played seven in less than two weeks. Um, I think that's that's a whole different ball game that you can't quite be prepared for. Um, and by the way, on top of that, you know, six different cities throughout all of that. Um, one, yeah, sure. He's probably, you know, being circled and highlighted on all the scouting reports that certainly changed from the first week or two. Um, the other thing that's noteworthy, I thought as well throughout the trip, Jake was just kind of the whistle he was getting. It was almost like the officials had changed on him and, and wanted to see more physical contact before they called the foul. I mean, that was the one big thing yesterday that I couldn't figure out last night. They had 24 free throws in the first half, which matched their season average and didn't take another one in the second half. So uh, that's something both Mathern and the Pacers were trying to figure out last night.
0: Yeah, wild discrepancy from the first half to the second half. Again, Scott Agnes with us from Fieldhouse Files. Uh, Scott, I enjoyed the piece. Uh, I forget if it was earlier this week or late last week on Andrew Nemhard with some Mark Few comments in there. Um, it just seemed like Few had an incredible amount of trust in handing the ball to Nemhard or just having Nemhard on the floor. I also found it interesting that it sounded like the Gonzaga staff was kind of pushing Nemhard at times to be more assertive offensively, and I think we're starting to see that here, even with his roles changing almost nightly for the Pacers.
8: Yeah, it's it's remarkable how in control of of the ball he is, literally and figuratively. When he's out there, um, you know, so many times you'd you'd think a guy that that ilk would feel the pressure, maybe to to perform, feel pressure to get others involved, those sorts of things. And and you know, as a guy as a first year player who's hadn't played in these venues along the way, he's just kept. The pacers afloat kept them in control and and yeah, what he can do offensively, scoring the ball, we knew that coming in. Um, it's one of those that you know teammates are telling him, "Hey, shoot it, we're we're good. Go ahead and take that ball. It's actually a bad possession if you don't take that open shot." And, and those sorts of things, which is which is a good problem to have, I suppose. But he handled himself well, and I mean, very clearly, you know, crushed what he was able to get accomplished and. Um, you know, it will turn out to be a good pick. Um, We're only 25 games into his career, though, so there's a lot to be determined uh, moving forward, though.
2: You know, Rick Carlisle has been no bones about the fact that if this draft were redone, you know, Nembhard would have been selected much higher. It was a great pick by the Pacers. I think there's enough body of work to say that that part is true, but do we overly devalue guys that are four-year players coming out of college? Like, well, that guy can't be any good. He's been there for four years as opposed to the the, the one-and-dones. Did he fall victim to that? For one, that's a little bit of what I was talking about, a little small sample
8: size theater, I think, um, to an extent, considering I usually cautiously give guys about three years to really know what you have, right, especially bigs. But, yeah, I think so. Um, especially it, it feels like when when players are out of Gonzaga too a little bit, like it's all that section of the country. One that's far away too. Who are they playing against sometimes? And so that makes you wonder about about guys a little bit too, because there's been a couple standouts and a couple guys that just really haven't developed um, from that program as well. So I think maybe that's part of it, um, and then just. And then here, fast forward to now, the expectations, anytime, you know, he really was just the one pick past that second round. But anytime you mention second round, it's like, oh, yeah, fringe guy, maybe he's not going to make it. And he's thus far played every bit of a first round pick that deserves, you know, the highest contract ever given to a, a second round pick from the U.S.
0: Again, uh, Scott Agnes is with us. Fieldhouse Files is where you can find his covers, got a podcast as well. Um, any update Chris Duarte-wise? I, I think there was some chatter that he maybe could have made his return on the Western trip, but he did not. And now we're looking at this is now over a month, right? Yeah,
8: absolutely. He's past the, the one-month mark. Probably like a month and a and half a-
0: now that I look at it.
8: Yeah, yeah. Because going into the trip, I think, was roughly about a month. Um, and, uh, you know, it was that, it was that bad sprained ankle and it's crazy because he just stepped on, uh, Kyle Lowry's foot and kind of tweaked it. And I was thinking about that because Miami is here coming up on Monday. It's like, wow, I, you know, we haven't seen Duarte since the last time. And so yeah, no real update just yet. I'm not sure he's even been asked about it in terms of Carlisle either. Um, last night, I guess when he was asked about injuries, uh, he said, it, and it was a time when, you know, there was about six guys questionable. He told the the few media there up in Minneapolis that you know I'm not providing an injury update on anything. So um, uh, yeah, hopefully we get the, some kind of clarity on his situation, guys, I'd say Friday, because you know, you know we're at that point now where I think he's certainly doing more on the court. I've seen some videos from a couple fans that have been posted. So he's doing stuff, but is he close to returning? That's part's unclear.
0: Yeah, and he's needed right now. I, Aaron Smith just a lot of up and down moments. I, I'd like to see Duarte sure. get back in there. Um, any tea leaves, Scott, you're watching? I mean, we're, we're, we're still two months out until the trade deadline. There's a lot of basketball between now and then, but is there anything you're watching, whether it be a date, whether it be a decision, You know, for the team or for a player, anything that you're keeping an eye on over the next two months, Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, trade related?
8: Yeah, nothing certainly of note just yet. I mean, in a week, um, a ton of NBA players start to become available, you know, in a trade because the guys that signed in the offseason, you have to wait six months. So December 15th is kind of that key date, really, once you get past the new year, past the holidays. Um, you have a, a bigger sample size and, and teams are willing to start dealing. I think a lot of, a lot more often, starting in January, you just don't see a very many January, uh, excuse me November, December type deals. So I' even said this you know when those the, the last actual talks that felt like were ongoing that hey, give it a month or two. There, there's probably not anything happening on this front. Lakers have, have started to win some games um a little bit more and show show signs of life show russell westbrook you know is, is actually a, a contributing piece um but in the big picture no i don't think we have any more clarity either on you know potential trade partners or would be miles be willing to sign an extension
2: scott agnes is our guest Fieldhouse files where you can read him he's on the pace uh, the pay less liquors hotline talking about the pacers scott um I want to ask you this, in terms of the NBA at this point, I've always said that usually you take 20 to 25 games before you really can gauge where teams are and who teams are. Now is the time that you got a pretty good idea because we're right in that 25, 28 game window for teams. So having said that, <coughs> give me you know one or two real surprises for you this year in the league for good or bad either a team that has far exceeded your expectation or a team that you wonder why in the world they haven't been able to kick it into gear yet
8: yeah to to go back to i guess the heat who will be here monday i mean they're sitting on the outside of even the play-in tournament right now and it makes you wonder if they're starting to think if they're in one of those no man's lands where you have to either make a couple or a, a move or two to get back in the playoff picture? Or should they start thinking about the Victor Wemingana sweepstakes and, and kind of going all in on a rebuild there? So they've been a, a disappointment. So have the Chicago Bulls, I think. They're right there, um, those two teams. Now on the positive side, I think what New Orleans has beginning to establish uh, and, and shown that that C.J. McCollum uh, trade worked out well and adding kind of a pro to that locker room, Zion staying healthy a little bit. I think them they've been a positive, and then sort of the Utah Jazz, who I think we all felt were probably an early, very early candidate for a rebuild, and they're they're in the heart of the playoff picture, and just got a, a surprise win last night over the Warriors.
0: Scott, we'll end with this. Um, how's the Bally situation going? I I haven't had too many issues over the last couple of weeks. Um, again, from a streaming standpoint, I, I've got um I've got cable, um, but from the streaming audience, have you heard anything on that front?
8: I haven't heard anything, so I, I'll go back to what I probably said a, a month ago, and that kind of the no news or no no comments probably is a good thing right. at this point. Right. I, I presume here that anyone that you know is really interested and willing to sh- shell out twenty dollars a month is probably doing that right now at this point, especially with this team. If you're not doing it already this season, you're probably not doing it the rest of the way, it feels like. Um, But the the wrench in all this is just what's happening from a corporate level. And right now, it's kind of even a... Uh, above our general level, right? Diamond Sports owns Valley Sports. And, uh, you know, there was a sports business journal article about Diamond Sports Group maybe coming in and, and running things from a more management standpoint. But directly to your question and with the Pacers, um, I I think it's mostly been doing well. And those, there was a couple games I do remember some quirks, or maybe it was freezing and things. Well, I haven't seen that feedback here anytime soon. So I think that's a good sign.
2: Again, Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse Files, talking about the Pacers who, again, are home tomorrow and Saturday. It is Washington tomorrow night. It is Brooklyn at the Fieldhouse on Saturday. Scott, appreciate it. All right, thank you, guys. I'll tell you, the one team, when we were talking about teams that impress or, or surprise you, how, I, yeah. mean, I, I knew that we knew this team was going to be good, but Boston's really good, man. I mean, that, that combo of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and you know who's been important for them is Brogdon. He
0: has. Brogdon he stayed healthy. Um, he's been key for them. Joe Missoula obviously taking taken over. Uh, yeah, they, they look like the favorite right now. We'll see what happens with Chris Middleton back for the Bucks. And again, we got to keep an eye on Boston and Cleveland, Jake. Those are the two picks the Pacers get. Those are the two first-rounders. Right now it's looking like very late in round one for both of those teams. Yeah, you're right. But you can package them, do something with them. We'll see what happens. I
2: wonder how my man Mark Williams is doing. I thought he was kind of a G-leaguer. That may be right. He was the guy that I I was... Yeah, you wanted to build a statue for him. (laughs) Is that right? Uh, Let's see. He's averaging four points and three rebounds a game. Looks like he's hurt. Wait a minute. Uh, Last night, he did have 11 points and eight boards last night. Look at that. So he's back from injury, apparently. Yeah, if you look at the
0: standings right now, I mean, really, both conferences have kind of played out. I think how a lot of people would have expected them to. The Pacers being a surprise um, in that West, yes, the Pelicans been a, a surprise.
2: Sacramento but, was a surprise for a while
0: there, but that yeah, but they uh, they've made so many win now moves. Yeah, Utah would probably qualify. Uh, New Orleans, the number one seed in the West, that didn't surprise you. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's that's the one. That you look at and think. Did not see that coming. Did
2: you see what Boston did to Phoenix last night?
0: Oh, just pummeled them. I mean, unbelievable. Like 125 to 99 or something like that. That was was something. Um, All right, coming up at the 9 o'clock hour, we'll talk with Rick Bozich, who is down in Louisville, works for one of their TV stations down there. Think of him kind of like the Bob Kravitz of that market. Um, He was the one that... Very quickly after the Scott Scatterfield news to Cincinnati was saying Louisville must go after Jeff Brom. They did, and they got their guy. So we'll talk a little bit about the Brom to Louisville decision from that side of it. Uh, We'll do that coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Kevin Aquari right here on a Thursday.
1: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at K-I-S-Q-A-L-I.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
2: Kevin, you know what I was thinking about last night? And we've got a lot to get to here in the 9 o'clock hour, but I figured I'd squeeze this in for you real quick. What was the moment? For you, it's probably pretty easy to guess just based on where the age falls, but do you have a specific memory of when you became hooked as a Colts or an NFL fan? Um,
0: Just in general, I would go downstairs every morning, read the sports page with my dad growing up and like learn how to do math via like Reggie Miller box scores. So those are like my vivid early sports memories.
2: Do you think it's common that for most boys, I mean maybe girls, but certainly for young boys, that when learning multiplication tables that by sevens were the first ones that we learned? Because when we would play backyard football, you'd score a touchdown and it was seven, 14, 21, 28, 35. Yeah, Yeah, sevens and threes are pretty easy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, threes also. Um, How about you? Well it's it's a really good point. my I remember my dad teaching me in 1979 giving me little word ways to remember the quarterback of each NFL team and and so that helped me and the NFL they play the pros in the newspaper in the old Indianapolis News you could pick the games each week, send the in they had to be postmarked by like six p.m. on Tuesday or maybe it was Thursday. My mom would drive me down to hand deliver it at the news. Here's my you know, my picks for play the pros. That's awesome. Um, so that was for the NFL for sure. College basketball, you know, it's interesting because the two of us in our two different age ranges, you grew up during a dynasty of the Colts. I grew up before the Colts were even here, and then once they were here, I mean I was in college before the Harbaugh Aaron Bailey pass. Um But I grew up in the dominant era of Indiana basketball, of IU basketball. I mean, driving down for spring break with my parents. And I remember 1981, my dad pulling over and getting us a hotel room for three hours so we could watch the LSU game in the Final Four and then getting back in the car to continue the drive. I mean, stuff like that. So I think IU basketball and then play the pros were what really did it for me. But, you know, I was just thinking about the fact, I mean, you would have grown up in a real heyday. I mean, when you were a kid, you would have had Reggie Miller, Peyton Manning. I, on the other hand, had Rick Mears and A.J. Foyt in the the, the peak of the Indy 500 and IU basketball. Um, And I think that part of what makes sports what it is is that we thirst for and long for the nostalgia of those exact things, right? Probably part of why you love Benedict Matherin is because you look forward to seven or eight years from now when he is a 29, 30-year-old guy Going over the with your phone, obviously, the previous night's stats with your son, right? When he's eight or nine years old. Yeah. Maybe. I
0: was talking to my brother-in-law the other day, and he said that the morning routine with him and his six-year-old right now is the six-year-old hops into bed with him in the morning, and they do one of two things. One, they look over the scores from the night before, probably do both, actually, and they play Wordle.
2: Yeah. Have you seen, uh, by the way, do you know what Factol is? No. FACTLE. It's by the same people that do Wordle. There is also Sports Factle. So like yesterday I did Sports Factle and it just says uh, it has a list of like 25 names and it says 1 through 6 the top scores in the 1990s in the NBA and you got to put them in the Oh, they order. used to
0: have one of those and like big lists. I'm trying to think Mark, do you remember what that website was? She had like these top 25 lists. I feel like we were really popular. Yeah, I don't remember which which by, though kind of age range
3: Oh, you, you, you probably eat that stuff up, Jake. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's great. You have too much time on your hands, is what I just heard. What about Sticks? Factal, Wordle. No wonder he overslept. Yeah.
2: Actually, one of the too much too much time in your hands, Factal, the other day, was uh, put in order the top five, top ten hits of Sticks, and that was one of them. Paradise Theater. Thank you. <laughs>
3: you guys have no idea what I'm talking nah, about. Way over my
0: head. Sporkle. Thank you, Scotty Hunt. Yeah, Sporkle. You ever heard of that? Sporkle? That was like the top. You That's know, like
2: something that fertilizes your yard.
0: <laughs> name the top twenty-five. You know, number one draft picks. Right. Name the top twenty-five leading rushers in the NFL from you know, nineteen eighty and beyond. Yeah. Uh, all right, nine o'clock hour coming up again. Rick is going to join us. We'll get a little bit Louisville side of things on the Jeff Brom hire. Kevin Aquario probably push the pop quiz to the end of the show. Jake. Ch- Shout out to our co-worker, John Herrick. He was in the big chair last night for Don Fisher down in Bloomington. Don getting one uh, of the Chris Schenkel Award, is that right? Out in Vegas? Correct, correct. Which is quite the award um, in the radio world. So he's out in Vegas, and they actually mentioned this on the broadcast last night. They basically told Don, just stay out there. IU plays Arizona. Coming up uh, Saturday night from Vegas. And so John Herrick, who works for our sister station, WIBC, you've heard him fill in before on these airwaves. He got to uh, call his first IU men's basketball game. Did a good
2: job. I heard um, bits and pieces of it uh, when I was in the car and was listening to the game. Did a good job. So, and that's, I mean,
0: it had to be quite the experience.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty awesome honor and responsibility. Yeah. Um, so, again, Indiana
0: wins last night. Trey Jackson Davis with a triple-double. Need more from Xavier Johnson. He is, again, uh, bad Lance, good Lance, bad yeah, exactly X, right, good man. X. It's been bad X lately, and if you get bad X versus Arizona, especially if Jalen hood Shafino is going to continue to miss time, uh, you're not going to win out there.
2: Pardon my naivete. What exactly is the reason for Jalen hood Shafino's absence? Back. He, I saw that Jalen Hood Shafino and Trace Jackson Davis um, both signed Nil deals with Adidas. Now, for how much or for what that entails, I don't know, but they they were basically modeling Adidas the latest Adidas clothing. how would that have worked while you was in Nike school? They would be doing it for Nike. See this is this is how this all works. And this all goes back to, and I mean, there are exceptions to everything, but in in general, I think this happens a lot. And I have no idea if this is the case going back with these two players. But it's very crafty in this shoe game between Nike, Adidas, and then Under Armour. And what you typically see is there is... We'll just say Mark Dykton, okay? So Mark Dykton is a promising up-and-coming eighth-grade basketball talent. And the ages are getting younger and younger when you're starting to see this. But So Mark Dykton plays for my AAU team as an eighth grader, and he's on the radar as the number one point guard in his class. So Adidas, or Nike, or Under Armour, comes to me and says, Hey, Jake, we know that you are running the... um, indie fan aau team and you've got this guy mark dyke and he's a really good player we want to sponsor your team so they give me eighty thousand dollars to run my aau program and travel mark and his friends all over the country and aau tournaments and whatever else and we do that and then after now mark is a sophomore in high school and they come to me and they go hey we've been giving you 80 grand a year i mean these numbers are probably ridiculous but you get what i'm saying um, over the last three years to sponsor Mark's AAU team, uh, we're not overly concerned with where all that money went. But I assume now that Mark is going to be playing for an Adidas school in college, right? And so when Mark comes out with his list on the day of the hat selections, he's choosing between Indiana and Kansas and Louisville because they are all Adidas schools and I, as the AAU coach, am facilitating towards where he's going to go because Adidas has been giving me and his program a lot of money to travel around and play in all these tournaments. Then he goes to Louisville or Indiana or Kansas, and now he gets an Adidas deal where he's wearing the sweatsuits and the shirt, and he's in their advertisements and whatever else. And that's what was taking place before NIL. That's how this all was kind of taking place. Nike was, you know, that whole investigation with Adidas and Nike and everything else, and nothing really ever came of it. But, you know, I I, I believe that Romeo Langford, for example, when Langford, who was an Adidas guy – when he had vanderbilt in his final three schools vanderbilt a nike school i think that was just to kind of throw off the scent of how embed with adidas the whole thing was and that's why a big reason i think why he ended up going to indiana but that's just how all of the stuff works and now it's all uh, obviously you know the supreme court has said hey this is and understandably i mean it's a free market enterprise players have the right to do what they want to do and make money off of their their name their image their likeness so be it But it's wild, wild west now, man. And I'm telling you, people that – I had people on Friday night when I was talking to a bunch of my buddies that went to IU and are huge IU basketball fans, and I was simply saying to them, look, the transfer portal and NIL is going to start to go hand-in-hand because a player is going to go somewhere – you know, hey, here's a. We saw it with the, the quarterback that went to Texas. He went to Ohio State. He got a million dollars in NIL money. And then guess what? He, he transferred to Texas. Well, he probably got another million at Texas. So why not go four places in four years and cash in as much as you can? I know that that sounds ludicrous, but you're going to start seeing it.
0: Hey, again, the regulations with the one time transfer portal um, have to be instituted at some point. I mean, you're seeing is it Keaton Slovis, the Pittsburgh quarterback, is now transferring again. He's been at USC, he's been at Pittsburgh, and now he's going to be starting for another school. Um, have to get a handle on some of that. But it will be interesting to see this Saturday night from Vegas, Jalen Shafino, if he's going to be back in the lineup. That's a 7.30 tip for Indiana with Arizona. Then they've got Kansas. That's a week from Saturday at Allen Fieldhouse, and that kind of butts right up with Colts and Vikings Oh, that's a one o'clock kickoff Kansas f- game for the Colts Vikings next Saturday at noon. Okay, and then the Colts Vikings play at one o'clock that same day.
2: If you are going to the Kansas game, if you're an Indiana fan and you're going to the Kansas game, and that game is on a Saturday, is that right? Yes. What time? Did I did I just say Saturday at noon? Okay, at noon. Sorry, I was thinking it was eight o'clock. Um, if, you have, if you're going to that game and you're going to go in on Friday or or you're going to stay on Saturday, whatever it might be, um, if you've never been to Lawrence and you've never been to KU, Allen Fieldhouse is super cool. But you need to, if you can, Lawrence is basically to Kansas City what Bloomington is to Indianapolis. It's 55 minutes away, essentially. This is a fabulous time of year if you are in the Kansas City area to go to the plaza in Mission Hills, area of kansas city which is kind of like their meridian kessler um but it's more like their mass ave i mean it's fabulous shopping it has the second highest number of fountains in the world next to i think it's venice Um, it's a gorgeous area it's very cool in christmas time it is magical in kansas city very underrated city but if you're in lawrence you've got to go to um either the wheel or uh the bull also known as Bullwinkle's. Those are the two like bars that are that would be cool places to go before or after the game and watching KU. But that would be a cool place to go to watch IU, to play in Allen Fieldhouse. would be pretty awesome. I was there when Jock Vaughn hit a shot right in Todd Leary's eye to defeat Indiana after a magnificent Damon Bailey performance, and it was great. It's a great atmosphere. It's a great arena. It's like going to Hinkle. It's cool.
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so it'll be neutral floor for Indiana this Saturday, and then next Saturday... At Lawrence. Purdue will have Davidson next Saturday. That will be in place at the Crossroads Classic. Um, That will be the Lawyer Brothers. That's going to be pretty cool for them. Fletcher versus Foster Lawyer. Matching up in that one. And Davidson, I think, is... You know, supposed to have another pretty good Doesn't team this season. Fletcher
2: versus Foster Lawyer sound like it would be like the subtitle of some sort of legal movie about the Ivy League somewhere? It, it does, yeah. Fletcher and Foster. Were they, were they part of that USC? No more frat parties here! <laughs> were, 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 were they part of that admission scandal a few years back? Speaking of admission scandals, by the way. I looked up last night, of the four college, this is, you talking about too much time on my hands, Mark. Of the four universities that are in the college football playoff, which one has the most strict academic admission standards upon applicants? Would you like to guess? Of the four schools, TCU, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. Which one has the fewest which one has the the toughest acceptance rate among applicants? Twenty one point six percent of applicants were admitted. I guess Michigan or TCU. Michigan is correct. TCU is second, Georgia is third, and then by far the least selective Ohio State. Ohio State was like sixty four percent acceptance rate. TCU was I think forty eight percent. Georgia I think was thirty five percent.
3: Georgia's a really good school. So did you look that up or did you like find that somewhere?
2: Now, now, what would the difference be? Well, there's a big difference. Well, I'm walking down the street and it, it was
3: on a shoot. You of paper might have seen that it on like a tweet or something like that. No, I looked it up. You are a huge nerd. That's what I thought.
0: <laughs> I was thinking this with Purdue. Like, who the hell is coaching Purdue in their bowl game? In their bowl game? Yeah. I mean, aren't like all the assistants leaving for Louisville? Well, Brian Brom, right? You're right. I mean, you need more than one coach. Oh. <laughs> In terms of the assistants, like if they're all leaving for Louisville, it's not like the new staff is. I would
2: say Aiden O'Connell, but we don't even know if he's going to be there, right? It's not like the new staff
0: is all of a sudden going to be like, oh yeah, let's uh, you guys let us know what the old system was like, and we can run that stuff. I just think college sports, particularly college football, has a ways to go in figuring out their calendar. I mean, the early signing period, as Alan Karpik pointed out to us a little bit earlier, that's coming up here in a week. So Purdue is in this awkward dilemma of you can't really have like a long, lengthy interview process. In an ideal world, you would make a decision here in the next probably 48 hours because you then need to assemble a new staff for the new head coach. That new coach and the staff then needs to reach out to the current recruits of Purdue. And then those recruits have what? A handful of days to figure out if they've got a scholarship at Louisville, Again, if they've got a scholarship at Purdue, or if they need to ride this out until the February signing period, which by
2: then, your scholarship could go to another transfer portal you know, guy. The, the Star had an interesting article about the recruits for Purdue. and you know, A what, lot of Indianapolis like, area guys. Totally. One from North Central, a couple from Carmel. Two Cathedral I, guys. I, I mean, Kevin... If you are, and I get it, I mean, if you're a college football player, recruit, are you signing up to play for the coach or the school? It's a little of both, probably, right? Right. They obviously tell you not to do the coach, but it's a big part of it. Which, Which, let me offer this one other tidbit that has nothing to do with sports, but I have always felt this way. And it kind of has to do with the recruiting thing. I cannot emphasize this enough. If you are a parent who has a young person right now that is getting ready to enter into the college exploration, looking to find out where they want to go to school, this time of year, right now, if you look outside right now, this is when you need to make your college visits. You need to... The number one thing that I would tell young people that are looking at colleges or parents who are touring colleges with their young people do it in december and january because the thing that kind of got me was I went to the University of Kansas I visited it 3 times when I was in high school and all 3 times I went like twice in sept- I went once in August once in I think September and then I went again to look one last time at it in mid-April well it was 70 degrees and sunny and gorgeous and people are riding bikes and throwing frisbees and I'm like this is the greatest place in the world but the reality is college, when you are at most schools, unless you're going to a warm weather climate, at most schools, the doldrums of November, December, January, when finals and midterms are happening and whatever else, and it's like this outside, that's when you get that the real challenge of getting yourself motivated, getting going, getting homesick, overcoming that kind of that depression could set in when it's like this outside. If you are comfortable touring a campus, and you feel at home on that school's grounds when it's like this outside, that's where you need to go to school because everything else is gravy after that. And I think that for myself, when I not committed, but when I chose the University of Kansas, I was putting too much emphasis in what I thought of the school like athletically and socially. I'm
0: picturing you doing a hat thing
2: when you committed to Kansas. (laughs) I walked down into my parents' living room and said, I'm going to go to Kansas. And they thought I was going to go to Alabama. And they're like, okay. Did you fake the Alabama hat, like kind of
0: try and put that on, and then <laughs> I put and it go on, with the I rock chalk?
2: It off and, yeah, that's right. Um, and my parents were thinking to themselves, well, whichever one, you're yeah. going to be— You'll be back here, here on <laughs> the Washington Township very <laughs> you shortly. You are a boomerang, Jake. It doesn't matter whether you're returning from Lawrence or Tuscaloosa. But um, but at any rate, I, I, I do wonder if some of these recruits that we're talking about are not— Committing too much to the coach or the offense as opposed to just the school in general. And I totally get it. I mean, I totally understand if you're going to play football somewhere, you want to go where you think you're going to play the most. Yeah,
0: you want a human connection. Right. So that's a big part of it. But it, you got to get a handle on it. It's just, it's insane for Purdue is in a horrific situation with their own football team right now and the future of their football program from the recruiting. Calendar sense. I don't want to act like... I mean, Purdue's... Obviously, Jeff Brom's got them on pretty good ground, but you're just in this massive scramble mode. Who's coaching your team in the bowl game? How do you protect players on your own roster? Jeff Brom right now has a free, what, 24, 48-hour... We'll see how long it grows. He's got a free period, Jake, to say to Brady Allen and Devin Mockaby, come on down to Louisville. You don't know who your next coach is going to be. Right. And it's just a... It's, it's a shame that's gotten to this point where I feel like there's just zero structure involved. And, again, for a program like Purdue, just had one of their best seasons in decades, and they have so much uncertainty with their bowl, with their recruits, all of them.
2: I wonder when – I mean, the other thing in terms of the hiring of a replacement for Jeff Brom that we talked about, Kevin, but does Purdue need to – Purdue has one – advantage here maybe only one but they have one and that is you know they're they're the first one looking for a coach they get first dibs right uh, of guys that are going to be available or guy, i mean well
0: wisconsin nebraska well nebraska's
2: already filled theirs i guess
0: but yeah yeah what, and, and wisconsin and
2: wisconsin did too but yeah um but I'm just saying, like, in the next month, you're going to have jobs starting opening up and whatever else. I mean, they're they're kind of ahead. So maybe not first, but they're ahead of the curve a little bit. But I don't know. I feel like if you're going to fire your head coach, you've already
0: done it by now. Do teams really wait, or do programs wait till after the bowl game to fire their head coach? Well, or coaches. I feel like the domino game has played out. You think so? I mean, unless you have some surprise. I mean, at this point, Brian Kelly was already at LSU, and Marcus Freeman is already at Notre Dame. I mean, this is this has turned into now late in the process,
2: Jake. Is Marcus Freeman, by the way, I mean, it's only been one year I realize, you think Marcus Freeman's a long-term guy there? Um, Nothing I saw
0: in year one would alter my thinking. I, I, I think he can be successful there for a long time. They, they have to figure out quarterback, and that was an issue with Brian Kelly. Notre Dame has had a massive... Deficiency at the quarterback position, for how solid the program has been over the last half dozen years, you saw it again this year. I mean, the starter got hurt in week two. Who's going to quarterback Notre Dame in the bowl game? Yeah, I mean they they got a true freshman that's played seven snaps. That's probably who it's going to be. They act like Buckner, the kid who got hurt, uh, is eligible to practice. But I mean, it's a collarbone injury. I I wouldn't risk him out there. No, I uh. I, I I'm still optimistic about Freeman. Again, you got to figure out quarterback. I mean, you had certainly some awful losses this season, but when you go eight and four and your backup starts for ten of those games, it's not the end of the world. Of course, next year's schedule: Ohio State, Clemson, and then USC again.
2: Uh, hey Jake, is nil taxable income? I'd assume so, but I have no idea. I believe it is, right? It's got to be. Yeah, I would. I would. I would hope. I would Gotta assume. Be. Especially because now it's it's different than, yeah, it's coming through a corporate level, so it would have to be taxable, yes. But some of the, I'm telling you, some of these kids are getting six figures, easily. Some seven, that's rare, but six figures. I would like to see Purdue pursue Bill O'Brien. That was an interesting name you threw out earlier this morning, and that's not a bad call. Not a bad call. Why do you think people hate him?
0: Kevin. Or just like have this disdain over his resume, like too much control in Houston, and that thing kind of bottomed out. I mean, he still went to the playoffs four out of the six years he was Good. the coach there.
2: I I, I think this is it. this is really unfair for him. I, I think Kevin part of with Bill O'Brien, and I understand it. He had nothing to do with the scandal, but he is the guy that was the immediate. Permanent placement at Penn State when there was still a huge stench over that program.
0: Oh, see, I look at it like that. Of, I commend him for coming back to his alma mater at a time when it was. But that in dire straits. Actually, what I'm saying is, like, I think shouldn't say alma
2: mater, but he had ties to Penn State. I think there are people that thought that he was, again, at no fault of his, but I think because of the timing of it. There were people that thought that he was there, overlooking and/or defending what had taken place, as opposed to. And I'm not saying that was the case, but people are just like, "How could anybody go there?" You know that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I look at the two years of Penn State and think they had scholarship restrictions. Didn't he leave? They had postseason. They 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 no, had no it. postseason, and they finished better than 500 both years. And did he 10 leave there abruptly?
2: I can't recall. I was thinking maybe he was one of those uh, that, that t- two years. I mean, I'm saying like when he left. Was there any, or was it one of those kind of like this? Like all of a sudden he he just kind of left him at the altar type thing. Well, I mean, he took the job with the Texans. That's so. what I mean. But but when he did so, was was it a, was it one of those? I I can't recall. But was it one of those where it was like, wait, what? He just up and left? No, he, you know that kind of thing. I
0: think it's a typical college football coach taking an NFL job. You understand why they do that, especially that one. I mean, he did what he needed to do at Penn State for two seasons.
2: I, I, I just recall, I mean, you ask a decent question. Why do people dislike him? I don't know the answer. I guess the last would be, did, what was, where's his coaching resume? Well, heavy New England. I, I mean, that probably has a big part of it too, right?
0: Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm really interested to see what how the I names unfold. he's a good unfold, coach, clearly, right? How the names unfold for Purdue. Because financially, they were paying Jeff Brom a good amount of money. Again, the Big Ten Conference appeal. Is that there now that you've gotten into these kind of mega conferences? Be interesting to see how it plays out. Rick Bozich uh, from the Louisville side of things is going to join us in a few to chat more about this. Uh, let's do a morning checkdown.
4: The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and
2: 107.5 The Fan. Last night in the NBA, Pacers 121-115. They lose to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Buddy Heald, a chance to force overtime. Rudy Gobert, a block late in the game that pretty much sealed things for the Timberwolves. Tyrese Halliburton, 26 points and 15 assists. Buddy Heald with 26 as well. Miles Turner, 23 for the blue and gold.
0: I thought Turner and Gobert both kind of played to their strengths. I know that matchup gets a lot of attention. I thought both of them had some nice moments. Uh, it's to be expected of this Pacers team, but man, they have some super highs and some super lows within a game. Last night, it was the start. 17 points in the first quarter. 44 then in the second. Actually took an 8-point lead coming back from 23 down, but could not finish it off last night as Minnesota. With the final 6 of the game, that's a 2-5 and five Western road trip for Indiana. Last night in college basketball, Jake, little history in Bloomington as Indiana... Takes care of Nebraska 81 65. Trace Jackson Davis looking a little DeMontis Sabonis like. 12 points, Good 11 rebounds, it. 10 assists. Went back in the game late, needed a couple of assists. You end up getting it there. Uh, also had three blocks and three steals. Really, really outstanding night for the Center Grove product.
2: And Purdue 85 66 last night over Hofstra. Zach Eady with 23 points and 18 boards. And let us not forget.
3: Bounce back for the Irish. Please, do any other game but the Irish. I was going to say, let us not forget
2: that uh, Tay Thompson had five goals last night for the Buffalo Uh, Sabres in their 9-4 win over the Columbus Blue Jackets.
3: I think we'll move on
0: now. Five goals. Mark, you're not a Notre Dame basketball fan? There's not many of us. We could use some. Well, then that shouldn't surprise you that I'm not a fan. Notre Dame Marquette Sunday. Big one there. That's an old rivalry, right? Did you watch some Notre Dame Marquette back in the day, Jake?
2: Yeah, I think, like, I mean... The Digger Phelps, Al McGuire days. Sure. Like yeah, I, I could see that. A
0: little bit of history there. Catholic schools. That should be a good one on Sunday. Tonight, Thursday night, football, Raiders and Rams. It sounds like Baker Mayfield might be the starting quarterback. John Wolford, a little banged up for the Rams. We know Matthew Stafford is out. They don't have Cooper Cup. They don't have Aaron Donald. That line, six and a half last I saw, mm-hmm. Mark. Yep. So they're not going with Bryce Perkins. That's their other quarterback. Yeah, I don't... Cause didn't McVeigh say at one point they're kind of kind of have a package in for Bryce Perkins?
3: Yeah. I don't know. It'll be weird. I mean, Baker
2: Mayfield, like what? First off, he's that's an upgrade though to the, to move to that stadium and live in it, right? Oh,
0: for sure. He's the third stringer for Carolina.
2: That <laughs> he didn't get to move into the stadium in Carolina. The uh, Colts <laughs> Just li- living in the mop room.
3: Well, Ren's probably a lot more expensive at the uh, that is true. Stadium. That the Colts watch for this week.
0: Uh, the Rams are 3-9. and nine. That pick goes to Detroit. So you want the Rams, I would think, to win, right? Try to get them to move down a little yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. The Raiders have five wins, so they're already behind you. Another Colts watch for this weekend draft order. You want Jacksonville to beat Tennessee. You want Carolina to beat Seattle. And you want Arizona to
2: beat New England. I don't think Jacksonville, it matters, though, right? Because they're not going to draft a quarterback. No, but I just think moving up within the draft order. They need to be, if the Colts want to take a franchise quarterback, they need to organically be where? Top seven, probably? It's more about who's in front of them, right? Yeah, probably in that
0: range, and then hope the Bears want to trade, right? Cheer Mm -hmm. for the Bears to lose, but they're they're on their bye week
3: too, Mark. They're on their bye week, but they have a brutal final four games. They've got the Eagles, the Bills, the Vikings, and the Lions as their final four. Great news for the Colts. 3-10 and ten right now, the
0: Bears sitting with pick number two. All right, we come back. Rick Bozich is going to join us to talk Jeff Brown to Louisville.
1: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at K-I-S-Q-A-L-I and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
2: Quite frankly, when you talk about sports in the city of Louisville, basically the order goes like, Secretariat Muhammad Ali, not even in that order, probably Muhammad Ali Secretariat Rick Bozich, in terms of sports pillars down in Derby City. Rick joins us on the program, is kind enough to do so. He is, of course, uh, been a long time, long time sports writer in Louisville, WDRB.com, where you can read his work now. And he joins us on the Payless Liquor's Hotline. Rick, I'll begin with this right out of the box from the Purdue side of things, I think this seemed like an inevitability at some point that Jeff Braum was going to end up at Louisville. Did it always seem that way as well from the Louisville side that as soon as there was an opening, the timing was now going to be such that Jeff Braum was the guy?
6: Absolutely. Um, I think the only thing that was surprising was that had happened this year. And I'll say that in terms of after Scott Satterfield... Um, kind of turned the season around this year. Louisville started two and three, then they won five of six. Um, I think people thought that he'd done enough to keep his job, but I think we sort of miscalculated losing the Kentucky game again. Um, I think what happened was he talked to the athletic director and wanted a couple more years on his contract and maybe a raise and was told no, and he was able to find a way out. Uh, to another Power 5 Five job, and once he went to Cincinnati, I think we all knew what was going to happen.
0: Rick, can you explain how the Brahms are viewed in the city of Louisville?
6: Uh, it's the first family of football. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I moved here in 1978. Uh, I met Oscar, actually, the dad, because he worked for the same company I worked for. I worked for the newspaper. He worked for uh, the Bingham's owned like, four or five different businesses. He was an accountant for the radio and TV station. He was a former star football player at Flash A High School, which is the same school that Paul Horning and Howard Schnellenberger played at. And then his brother Greg, his son Greg, Jeff's older brother, uh, was a wide receiver at Trinity who was a marginal, probably, D1 athlete, and Schnellenberger was smart enough to offer him a scholarship, and Kentucky didn't. Uh, He came to Louisville a year ahead of Jeff, and then Jeff... Uh, As I've written about many times, turned down Notre Dame, turned down Ohio State, turned down Tennessee, and came to play for Louisville when Louisville was playing in a minor league baseball stadium, and all they had was the dream of Howard Schnelleberger talking about Louisville football program being something. Uh, So he's been all in on Louisville football for many, many years, and then obviously, you know, more than a decade later, younger brother Brian came along, he coached him, they won the Orange Bowl, and he was a coach here, and... The Brom family DNA is strong at Trinity High School, which is the number one high school power here in town and at the U- University of Louisville. Plus, Jeff also coached uh, a short-lived arena football team here. So, yeah, they're 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 the fo- family of football in Louisville.
0: Again, Rick Bozich is with us, WDRB, down there, um, wdrb.com, down there in Louisville. And he wrote earlier this week that it was time for Louisville to make that call and bring Jeff Brom home. They indeed did that. Rick, from what you know about the Purdue job, because obviously you cover Indiana a decent amount and and, right. and have an understanding right. of the Big Ten conference, just like in a vacuum, what's the better football coaching job, Purdue or Louis- Louisville?
6: Well, I, mean, I actually grew up in Gary, so I was around a lot of Purdue. Oh, people. Nice. I'd say in in a, in a vacuum without the connections, um, you know, I'd have to say Purdue uh, because it's in the Big Ten and lo- mo- moving forward. Uh, with the Big Ten um, vision of expanding the conference, the Big Ten network revenue money, you know, the, it's like SEC, Big Ten, ACC is, is a notch below. But this is an unusual situation. It, it, you know, it, it, Jeff Brown's not going to leave Purdue to go to Wake Forest, to go to NC State, to go to Pittsburgh, to go to you know, Virginia Tech. He's only going to leave to go to Louisville. Uh, And so, you know, I I get what you're saying. I'm with you. I mean, Purdue is... It's not you know, an ideal job because we all know what the challenges are at Purdue. You're in a a league where Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, uh, probably Wisconsin have more going for it than Purdue does. But the Big Ten has more cachet than, than the ACC. But for Jeff Brom, this was a better job.
2: Rick, there might not be any way to know this, I guess. So my apologies if it's unfair to ask you at this time. But do you have an idea yet or has there been any inkling as to when... Jeff Brom arrives, how much of West Lafayette he brings with him? And by that, I mean staff and roster. I don't
6: know about roster. I really don't. Because with the transfer portal, I mean, anything's in play. I I haven't heard um, anything about that. In fact, we haven't got to talk to him yet. He's going to be introduced, I think, later today. Um, I I mean, I'm sure Greg will be coming. I would think Brian will come. I know he's going to coach the team through, he's the interim coach for the bowl game, correct? But I, yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure he's interested in the job, but I didn't see his name listed in the West Lafayette paper as one of the candidates, and I doubt Purdue uh, would go with a guy with no head coaching experience. Then after that, there's a lot of guys on that staff with local connections. I mean, David Elson was a coach at Western Kentucky. Um, Garrick McGee coached here before with Jeff Brom. He's the receiver's coach. Ron English was a, a coach here at Louisville under Steve Craig when Jeff was here. Uh, there's, a, there's a Ryan Wallace, his dad, just a head coach at St. Xavier, uh, which is, along with Trinity, they're the two football-dominant programs in town. He's a Bowling Green, Kentucky native. I would think he would come, so I would think there'd be a, a pretty large pool of those guys coming, and um but I don't know for sure. I've, I haven't I haven't been able to get to Jeff, and I've just heard stuff on the periphery.
0: Can Rick Bozich with us, WDRB.com, down in Louisville. Rick, how would you kind of characterize where Louisville's at NIL-wise compared to maybe others in the ACC or others in the Midwest?
6: I think they're ahead of the game. Uh, Louisville's football's recruiting under Scott Satterfield was bad for the first three years, and I think he was told last year when he almost got fired... Um, that he needed to change and they invested more in the recruiting office they brought a couple of guys in to take care of the NIL stuff um, and for a good while until the last week they had a top 25 recruiting class lined up now the, they had a running back yesterday from Texas who decommitted and quickly committed to Texas A&M but they have a bunch of kids coming from California And I think one of the first things Jeff Brom's going to do after he gets here is go to California and try and tie that class down. Uh, And their NIL um, um, program is very strong. And what you have to remember is Louisville is a big town with no pro sports. And the success of Louisville basketball and the success of Louisville football is very important to people in this town, and I think they figured out that you know they have to get in the game nil wise, and I think they're I think they're ahead of most programs doing
2: that. Rick, can you possibly fathom? You've been in Louisville a long time. You've covered sports down there, you know, a long time. Can you possibly fathom if you go back twenty five years ago? if i'd walk up to you and say you know the day's going to come where you're going to be doing a sports radio interview in indianapolis not because of the basketball team but because your football program is going to be plucking away the coach at purdue and the basketball program is going to be 0 and eight i mean what in the world is going on with louisville basketball
6: no i couldn't fathom that and that's <laughs> funny you say that because every time i walk into the KFC Yum center and I've gone to every home game, every exhibition game, and every scrimmage this year because in part I wanted to be there for Kenny Payne's first win. Uh, I walk in with Jerry Eves, who's a former Louisville basketball player on the 1980 championship team and a couple other media people, and we look around and there's five or six thousand people in a 20,000 seat facility, which is NBA quality facility, and look around and say, can't believe this is Louisville basketball. But, you know, it's, it didn't get this way overnight. This has been a five-year process. And um, I'm not sure if they've touched bottom yet, because they're probably going to lose the next two and get to 0-10. But it's uh, it's been, yeah, it's beyond belief.
2: I mean, unbelievable. Hey, is, I, is it Kenny Payne, or did he walk in to... Was Chris Mack old Mother Hubbard, and he left the cupboard empty? I mean, what what, what the hell happened? Uh, the cupboard's pretty empty.
6: Um, they don't have very good personnel. I don't think they've made the best use of the personnel they do have. They've been unlucky in the beginning. They lost their first three games by one point, but the last five games they played against you know more. Power 5 level teams they've lost by an average of uh, of, I think close to 27 points they haven't even been competitive so uh, whatever flaw you can have they've shown them all they've had more turnovers than assists I believe in every game they've played
0: gosh that's not good so Florida A&M is that what we're looking is that we're we circling the calendar for that one a week from Saturday is the first win
6: Florida A&M yeah that's the same day Louisville actually plays Cincinnati in Fenway Park in the bowl game when they go against Statterfield's old team against his new team it's the same day, so, so that's so a week let's, from Saturday, the city will be on tilt. Yeah, they'll let's, be let's
0: carrying Kenny Payne down 4th Street after that. Let's word.
2: add into that like 25 years ago, hey listen, the day's going to come where 0-10 Louisville is going to get their first basketball win when the football team's playing a bowl game in Fenway Park. And their coach is now coaching the other team. <laughs> <laughs> I,
6: mean, <laughs> I mean, my goodness. I mean, you guys have followed what's going on. I mean, this place has been like a reality TV show for like the last seven right. or eight years. It's It's always something outrageous happening in this town. Always.
0: Rick, you were all over it earlier this week. Uh, As Jake said, tons and tons of history. I know our paths haven't crossed for about a decade, but I always remember you down there when I was at IU covering Tom Crean's early years. So good to hear your voice again, and uh, appreciate the insight.
6: All right. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: That's Rick Bozich right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline.
2: Man. Man, And I like five to
0: 6,000 in the Yum Center. That's sad.
2: That is crazy.
0: It's really sad.
2: I mean, I, I always like Louisville. It's a great city, by the way. Great city. Pop great quiz city. next?
0: Pop quiz next. You got a question? I got four of them. All right. I got one. All right. Give us a call. 317 239
1: 1070 Have you stopped? Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love. Hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
4: Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Quarry. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985.
0: All right, it's time for the Pop Quiz. Combined substitute teacher effort. <coughs> Yesterday, we almost had a five for fiver. I think your, uh, your, your question to end it nipped them up. <laughs> Sorry. What do you think about today's? Nipped him up.
2: Uh, I think today's is pretty doable, right? Don't you think?
0: I think it's a little harder than, than yesterday.
3: That's well, what the, she said. Okay.
0: mean, Mark, come on. I mean.
3: Well, don't throw the softball. What, what grade are we in here, Mark?
0: Literally.
2: Uh, yeah. Number one through eight, Jake. Um, Is today December 8th? Today yeah. is the 8th. John, yes. John Lennon passing away 42 years ago today, uh, shot by Mark David Chapman. I hate to commemorate that. I just, December 8th is what makes me think of that. Mark, you'd mentioned it. Uh, We'll go with number 8 because it is December 8th, though. Stan. Stan! Good morning, gentlemen.
3: Stan,
0: how you doing? Doing great. Yourself? Doing wonderful. Stan, uh, your favorite sports team is who?
6: Oh, boy. Well, (laughs) not many to cheer around here these days. I grew up a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, but... They haven't done much in recent history either.
0: So, How about your favorite Pirate?
6: <laughs> Roberto
0: Clemente? Yeah, there you go. Nice. You and Don Fisher, Stan. God, the Pirates yes, have got sir. such great uniforms. Yeah. I love the color coordination that Pittsburgh does with their professional sports teams.
2: Only city that does it, right? I
0: think that's really cool.
2: Yeah, um, I always appreciate that, too. I don't think I have the pop quiz in front of me, Kevin. You want to go with question number <laughs> oh, one? <boy>. my gosh. <laughs> Stan, this is walking my life, man. I would say three
0: hours every day, but Jake didn't make it three hours earlier in the week. 2.45. All right, number one, Stan. The Pacers just wrapped up their seven-game Western road trip. How many games did they win? Two games.
2: Wow. They were two and five. Yeah. Okay, question number two for you, Stan, and then Kevin's going to take you home. (laughs) so well prepared thanks no my phone's frozen up here Uh, last night Tyrese Halliburton had 26 points and 15 assists who was the last pacer to log 15 assists in a game where they scored 25 or more points was it A. Lance Stevenson B. It had never been done before C. Mark Jackson or D. Michael Williams wow I, I was leaning towards Jackson, but I'm going to say it was never done before. Okay. I
0: don't know if i got a voice I can make it through the pop quiz, but I'll gut it out here. Last night against Nebraska, Trace Jackson Davis became the third IU men's basketball player with a triple-double in a game. Steve Downing was the first. Who is the other Hoosier stand to accomplish that feat? OG Ananobi, Eric Gordon, Mike Woodson, or Jawan Morgan?
6: I'm going to go Jawan Morgan.
0: Okay.
2: Jake, you want me to just, you well, now, know. Here's the thing. Uh, why mess with success? I, I found it. I, I did find it, but now it's it's like not loading. Okay, uh, next question.
3: Computer issues with you. I don't
2: pro Bowl it. voting is currently undergoing. Last season, the Colts had an NFL best seven Pro Bowlers. Which Colt was not a Pro Bowler last year? A, Luke Rhodes. B, Ashton Doolin. C, Kenny Moore. D, Braden Smith. Braden
3: Smith. I can guess how many aren't going to be Pro Bowlers this year. <laughs> <laughs>
7: and, zero.
0: and to round it out, Stan, the Heisman Trophy winner will be announced on Saturday, and a quarterback will once again win the award. We've got four finalists. They're all QBs. Taking out Reggie Bush's Asterisk Award in 06, who was the last non QB to win the Heisman?
6: Wow. As a running back, as I recall, um,
0: Nickname had to do with a choo-choo.
2: <laughs> oh. Um. You like cheese curds.
0: Stan, this man looks like he had yeah. some Heinz ketchup Ron Ron in his day. Ron Dane. Ron Dane. Great a great effort by Stan here. I don't Jake, did he
3: get yours right? Yeah, I don't know if yours is right or not.
2: Well, we'll just have to find out now, won't we? Stand by. <laughs>
3: unless your computer okay. crashes
0: yeah i was gonna say yeah, man, i can't find stan, it stan you're kind of the mercy of jake's technology i apologize uh yes the pacers indeed won that two
2: games correct out west uh, for question number two tyrese halliburton 26 points 15 assists the last pacer to log a 15 assist game when they scored 25 or more points it had never been done before tyrese halliburton is the first to do it oh I you got it right
3: i don't know i he don't know what he said
2: write. mark Follow along. Stan, are you still there? <laughs> Did you hang up
4: on me? No, that? he's here.
3: He's okay. here. I him muted. Stan's oh still God. in the running here. What an That's absolute what happens when you don't give answers. pay
2: attention, pal. You just jump
3: to conclusions. Stan's a sharp guy. Then... Well, then he went, he did well. Then. Uh, I was going to say, he did really well. Yes. jeez stand one for
2: crying out loud. Well,
0: now you spoiled the whole <laughs> damn thing. Jawan Morgan, Steve Downing, Trace Jackson Davis for IU Triple Doubles. The Colts, uh, the Colt player that was not a Pro Bowler last year, indeed, Braden Smith, and the last non-QB to win the Heisman, taking out Reby, Reggie Bush's asterisk, indeed, Ron
4: Day. That's a W.
6: See? That he won. That's in the upper quartile of winners, yes. we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air.
0: He's the reverse of the Michael Jordan. Even Michael Jordan lost a lot of games. Stan's
2: yeah.
3: the Michael Jordan won a lot of games. Yes. Yeah,
2: Stan won.
0: Stan,
3: congrats, man. That was a great, great performance. You persevered over Jake's technological issues. Did you mute Stan? Yes, one? he's here. What do you want? Stan, he's Stan, he, are you He's, still here? There? he's, hey, humble. he's yeah. humble in victory. He's, he's on hold. It gathers information. Stan, Stan where where does
0: this rank on your Mount Rushmore wow. of athletic achievements? <laughs>
2: uh, probably two or three. Let's you know. Yeah. Well, let, let's face it. You're a Pirates upper fan, so of the upper quartile. I'll just say <laughs> thank that. thank you. Yeah. You're a Pirates fan, so it's the best
3: thing that happened to you in at least 20 years. <laughs> a long right? time, yeah, very long time. Ago. Stan, thank you. Stand the line. Congrats.
0: The guy's a winner. The guy is a winner, <laughs> <laughs> a is a winner. flat out. Winner Um, Jake, we'll end the show with this Uh, Steve, uh, active listener of ours Tweeted at us um, Uh, Yesterday evening Saying that uh, he'd appreciate a shout out For uh, Corey Roach tomorrow Um, Corey is a husband, son, brother, cousin Father of two Uh, Sadly walked into an ER room three weeks ago And now he's gone at the age of 47 So I wanted to give a shout out to Corey And then um, another listener of ours David Uh, was at the Colts-Steelers game on Monday Night Football a couple weeks ago. And unfortunately, his father passed um, at the age of 70. Uh, Randall was his father's name. David was one of kind of our early, early listeners. And um, he thinks often about sports and nostalgia line that you bring up, Jake. And so um, he reached out to me and had had mentioned that. So thinking about David and um, Steve, both of their families right now going through uh, um, some
2: tragic times. Absolutely. Condolences, heartfelt condolences to both.
0: Everybody have a great Thursday, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Kevin and Corey. Okay.